where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. The remains have been taken to a hospital for official identification and to discover the cause of death. The American drugs giant Pfizer has made what it says is a final offer to take over its UK rival AstraZeneca. The proposed bid of £55 a share values the firm at £69 billion. The plans have become controversial with warnings of job losses and damage to British scientific research. Police in Luton say they're becoming increasingly concerned for a missing 62-year-old woman with dementia. Bernadette George was last seen by her family at two o'clock yesterday afternoon at her home in Laliford Road. She's described as a black woman, approximately five foot two inches tall, with Afro hair. Doctors have been given an extra month to review health services in Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes. They say the ongoing review, sparked by problems in Bedford Hospital's paediatric department, has thrown up complex issues. More from Lee Agnew. Clinicians have requested this extension so they have more time to analyse the review, looking at hospital, community and GP services. They say the delay will result in a more comprehensive final report at the end of July. Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group says because crucial decisions need to be made, it's vital that they get it right. The public will get the chance to have their say in the autumn. Police in South Buckinghamshire have confirmed that a vulnerable woman missing since last week is a serving police sergeant with the Thames Valley Force stationed at High Wycombe. 43-year-old Louise Gibson was last seen in her home village of Great Kingshill at 5.30pm on Thursday. An Aston Martin car from the 1970s television show The Persuaders has been sold at auction in Buckinghamshire for a world record £533,000. The 1970 Bahama Yellow DBS was driven by Roger Moore's character Lord Brett Sinclair and was snapped up at Bonham's annual auction in Newport Pagnell. In sport, the clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two with nine more players leaving the club, including leading scorer Francois Zocco, and Cambridge have joined Luton in being promoted back to the Football League after beating Gateshead 2-1 in yesterday's conference playoff final at Wembley. The weather, another dry and warm day, a maximum temperature 23 degrees Celsius, and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. I'm very excited. It's it's a new week. That means it's a new location for the big tour. We're in Wendover. Which one of these characters is going to sound like a drunk lord? BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. The friendliness of a country village. It's all about where you live. Oh, here for life now. Got everything I want, really. And all this week, we're featuring Wendover. I've lived here since 1966. It's just absolutely great. It's just, it's got so much to offer. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's that my team are working like uh, drones, uh, uh, drone bees, and I am the queen. Hang on. The team are busy uh, fiddling. I'm a big queen, and they're doing what I say. That's. It's kind of the point I was trying to get to. Lots coming up in the show, including council criticised over disappearing dementia patient. And when I say disappearing, I mean moved into a care home without her family's knowledge. HS2 criticised over disappearing compensation. As I say disappearing, I mean giving to tenants and not landlords. And the same council as the first council I mentioned are criticised over disappearing wind turbines. And when I say... Oh, just listen to the show. Flippin' heck, what are you on? 
menu of what's coming up or something? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Time for one of the best British pop songs ever? Yes.
That's XTC, and it's not as, as some people may have may have thought the lightning seeds. And if anyone did think that, I would um, poke them. Oh, hang on, it's gonna finish. Pastoral, pastoral. Alzheimer's UK says it's deeply concerning that a pensioner with dementia was moved into a care home by Milton Keynes Council without her son's knowledge. The Court of Protection ruled that the way the authority dealt with the 81-year-old was woefully inadequate and her human rights had been breached. This comes three years after a landmark case in which a court warned local authorities against misusing their powers to detain vulnerable people. Well, political reporter Paul Scoynes has been looking into this. Paul, what happened? Well, this is only just recently come tonight actually it actually happened in april uh, or the, this is when the case was heard but the judgment has only just been published basically milton Keynes council uh, it is uh, said by the judge behaved unlawfully when they moved this elderly woman from her own house into a care home now according to the court they didn't have authorization from their specialist panel to do that and they hadn't also applied to the court of protection which is uh, the court in the land which deals with cases affecting people who can't make decisions for themselves uh, because they're too vulnerable now the bbc spoke to the woman's son this is uh, uh, an actor voicing up his uh, his comments I returned from a short trip to the local town to pick up a valve radio I'd bought for Mum at auction. On my return, Mum's carer told me two social services people had been and taken her to a place of safety. I was flabbergasted. Everyone was. He was flabbergasted because he didn't know where she was for 19 days. Wow! Yeah. Now, Milton Keynes Council, they said they did get authorisation to make the application, but only a couple of weeks after that move. Uh, he said, as he said, that he, he'd remove... He came back I'm, 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 so he didn't know she was going to be moved. No. He came back, she wasn't there, and he didn't know where she was for 19 days. Yes. Why did the, why are the council saying they moved her? Well, they said they, they moved her uh, for her own safety, and they say that in the month leading up to the move that carers had noticed bruising on her face and scratches on her legs as, as well and it's reported that a month later a visiting student social worker also saw more injuries and alerted her bosses those allegations though Ian weren't pursued and they weren't pursued by the police either now whilst those council uh, were investigating it took 11 months uh, the son was only allowed limited supervised contact with his mother in that period what do we know about the woman well, we understand that she was a magistrate for 20 years. Uh, uh, you know, understandably, she's in a vulnerable position, so we've not been told about her name or anything like no. that, but she was described as very independent. The judge said, uh, too, that the woman had lived at that house for 32 years or so, very rooted in the local community. Uh, her son had sold uh, a business abroad so he uh, could look after her. And, you know, we understand that that is pretty much all we can uh, say about it at the moment. I, I would imagine that this case has a wider significance, doesn't it? Well, there's there's two. Um, first, you might remember three years ago, there was a landmark case in the Court of Protection. There was a chap called Stephen Neary, a young man uh, with autism, and he'd been kept away from his father by the local authority. This was the first public hearing in this court which found that Stephen Human's rights had been uh, breached. Now, the judge at the time warned local authorities not to misuse their powers to detain vulnerable people. 
But that's exactly what the council, Milton Keynes Council, did in this case. And secondly, we know that about this case because uh, the judge uh, and the judgments uh, have been published and the judge's comments were there really to uh, bring a greater transparency to this court and to the family courts, which is something that the Ministry of Justice has been trying to do. I'm going to ask you a question you may not know the answer to. Uh, the, the, the talk of the injuries uh, to the woman and the fact that her son was unable to see her for 90 or didn't know where she was for 19 days and then had limited access to her. Is the, imp- is the implication, was the implication that they were, the, the council were concerned that maybe the son had, had inflicted those injuries? Is that kind of what's being said here? Well, we don't know. We, do, I mean, we don't uh, know. Unfortunately, I've tried to speak to Milton Keynes Council and uh, and councillors in charge of adult services uh, and also opposition councillors, and the opposition councillors said to me that uh, they'd been told by officers not to comment on the case. Okay. Uh, I wasn't uh, able to speak to the councillor and sort of in charge of the portfolio. We've put calls into the local MP. Um, I have managed to speak to the council itself, and the council said that they wouldn't comment on individual cases, but yeah, they that they accepted the ruling. Um, and they wouldn't ordinarily comment no. on a, an individual case like this. They wouldn't be able to go into the details of what happened, why and when. I mean, the, absolutely, the inference is that there was a, a concern that the council had. Mm. Um, and, you know, from those comments in the ruling that you would see that potentially they did feel that there had been a breach of, of her uh, own sort of safety. What an incredible story and what an incredible situation for the mum and the son to, mm. to, to be in. I can't imagine coming back home with a valve radio and finding that mum, you know, your mum has gone and you don't know where she is. Incredible. Paul, and, thank- and wouldn't know for another three weeks. For another three weeks. Incredible. Paul, thank you very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Nesta McGregor. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just before you go, we have got trouble with James Wally in a second. Um, I I like James. I like James, he's good. Morning, James. Good morning. We'll be with you in a second. I just need to uh, ask Paul Scorn to general knowledge question. Hmm. I was really thinking over the weekend, I was with my boys uh, in the garden, we bought a paddling pool for 30 quid, it lasted an hour. An hour? It burst. Ah. Um, but my boys were asking me, and I cannot, I could not think of the answer to this. They, they were going, Daddy, 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 what's the sound of the police? Um, it's, well, according to the KRS-One song, yep. Ian, it's whoop, whoop. Okay, and what's the sound of da police, um, according to, I don't know, a, a drunk political reporter who's, you know, probably looking at um, some kind of uh, legal action against him. What, what, what would the sound of, of that police be from, from them? I understand, although I, I haven't got evidence, no. that it was something like, uh, uh... OK. You know, that's demonstrably different from yeah. how it should have sounded, mm. yeah. Paul, thanks very much indeed. Let's get the travel now with James. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The uh, motorways looking okay at the moment. Looking at the M1 cameras, certainly building up southbound. As you imagine passing junctions 9 and 8 um, down towards the M25, but all moving. M25 is uh, looking all right. Anti-clockwise building up a little bit now at junction 26 into the roadworks of Waltham Abbey. And uh, to the uh, trains, well, First Capital Connect, if you're heading south of London, delays and disruption because of overrunning engineering works at Norwood Junction in South London, if you're using First Capital Connect uh, through London and then on to Brighton. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you very much. Six seventeen. It's. I'm trying. I'm trying to do the news. No, it's quite serious. No, he's, uh, he's got a hole. Catherine, he's got. Paul's got a hole in his shirt. Could you get him out of? I could stitch that. Yeah. Could you? Yeah, but you'd have to whip it off. Ugh. Could you? Uh, this is great fun. 
this, this is not classic bounce. Could you get him out of the studio and discuss it in your studio? Come on, Paul. But that that's in your headlines, right? Come on, don't be shy. Buttons off. Okay, right. I do apologise. That's uh, okay. Six seventeen. It's Monday, the nineteenth of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The charity Alzheimer's UK says it's deeply concerning that a pensioner with dementia was moved into a care home by Milton Keynes Council without her son's knowledge. A woman from Luton whose son has been missing in the Himalayas for six months has confirmed that items found near human uh, human remains belong to him. Margaret Allpress travelled to Nepal where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. And in sport, the clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two with nine more players leaving the club. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine. Good morning, welcome to the JVS Show. Your local stories. Have you had to rebuild your life after being a victim of crime? Do you think it's inhumane to keep people in prison for life? Do you think that immigration needs to stop? Your local life. Why do 70% of this country feel immigration is wrong? We've actually got an open doors policy. I am just so angry listening to some of them people. What the government are doing, they start introducing American-type sentencing like 200 years in prison. The JVS Show. British people are not xenophobic. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio.
King. Was it Carol King, Scoins? Was it Carol King? Maybe. Not Maybe. that. That was that was we all know was Gina McKee. No. W- what? Kirsty McCall. Okay, but it, was it Carol King? Was it Carol King, Scoins? Oh. He's putting on headphones that aren't plugged in. Paul, Paul, <laughs> they're, they're literally not plugged in. <laughs> I like it when Paul Scoins comes in because we don't really do any work. Huh? Mm? So you, um, uh, okay, so that was Gina McKee. No, you, no, it's Caroline. Sweet Caroline by uh, the quote. You <laughs> wanted me to lend you a book, but you don't know what book you want no, me to. You said you, I, you said you were going to lend me a book. About what? I don't. It was Barry Carol, Manilow. It was about a band. I haven't got a Barry Manilow book. It was about a have. band. Or was it? Oh, was it about a band? You definitely said in the last week you were going to lend me a book. About what though? Well, I can't remember. Was it the Fleetwood Mac book? No. Tony Fisher's got good that. Book. I don't want that. It's a really good book. I'm. Wh- which book? I need more. I've, I need more info. Well, I'll, it'll come to me. Was it the Quran? Don't. Have you got the crown? Of course I have. Okay. Yeah, I have two. Yeah. Uh, well, I've only got one, but maybe you could borrow one of Kath's. I know it probably wasn't that. Okay. Well, if you any what, ideas? What was it then? I don't know. Books fizz. It was, was definitely going to lend me something. Books fizz. Was it the biography of the police called The Sound of the Police? Oh <laughs> <laughs> wait for. If anyone knows the book that I was going to lend to Paul Scoynes, call me now. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The big tour is in Wendover this week, and the one issue that everyone is talking about is HS2. A four-mile stretch of the high-speed rail route will run through the village, and while some have stopped worrying about it, others hate the way it's being dragged out. In Ellsborough Road, residents are having to come to terms with its impact in different ways. We can speak now to Marion Clayton, who owns a house just metres from the proposed line. Morning, Marion. Good morning, Ian. How have you been affected? Um, to put it very simply, the value of my very small property there has been reduced to virtually nothing. Oh. It will be left looking down on a construction site. The, the route across Ellsborough Road currently goes through what's called a green tunnel. Now, effectively, what that means is dig a huge trench, put a concrete box in, and the trains run through the concrete box. So my property is within 60 yards of the centre of the line, so less than that from the actual construction site. So I I would imagine you've been offered some form of compensation, is that right? Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? Um, If you read through the compensation documents uh, that HS2 have published, the reference all the way through is to owner-occupiers. Now, I don't actually live in that property. I bought it um, 91, I think it was, and lived there for about five years until circumstances changed. I moved out and we took the decision that I would keep the property as um, capital for my old age for when I needed either nursing care or needed to move into a property, you know, where where Mm. it's easier to manage. Um, And uh, frankly, the value has just been taken away from it completely. So there is absolutely no compensation for anybody in my situation. And I'm not alone. I know there are other people uh, along other parts of the route, particularly, who are uh, affected in a similar way. Is it right, Marion, that you're not getting the compensation, but your your tenants are getting some compensation? No, I thought that was the case in actual fact. But when I uh, when I read through the documents again, it looks as if even my tenant gets no compensation. So I, I, I'm left in a position where my property has no value. I would not blame my tenant in any way if he decided that he really couldn't continue to live there because of the noise and the dust and the disruption. Um, and so my income is vastly reduced. My capital has gone. 
so I'm not able to. I mean, the, the whole purpose of this was that in my older age, I would be independent of the state. Clearly, if things stay as they are at the moment, that is not going to happen. It must be very frustrating. It's more than frustrating. It is infuriating. I find it absolutely disgraceful. Um, every single taxpayer in this country is already paying for, for HS2, uh, which to me is a total and utter waste of public money. Um, why on earth should certain individuals pay twice? You're paying through the tax system anyway, some £1,500 per taxpayer. And why on earth should I lose this amount of money? It's not a vast mansion. It's one property, the only property that I own. And I just don't think it just that, that anybody should have to pay twice and lose the value of a property which was bought in all good faith way before HS2 was even dreamed of. Is the village still fighting HS2, Marion, or has everyone accepted that this is more than likely to go through now? Well, certainly the action group still has as its plan A to stop um, the, the, the whole project. But, of course, we've now gone through the second reading of the bill, and at the moment we've had to divert onto what's called petitioning, which is a scheme where individuals and organisations can ask uh, Parliament to change certain aspects of the bill. Um, that had to be done in a very short time scale and to a very strict procedure. So we've been diverted onto that. But the, the, the underlying uh, objective of the action group, Wendover HS2 Action Group, has always been and continues to be to get this project stopped. Marion, do keep in touch with us. Let us know how this uh, situation develops for you. It's Marion Clayton, who uh, owns a house in Ellsborough Road. 08459 four double five five double five is the phone number if you want to have your say on that. Also, if you've got any idea what the book was I was going to lend to Paul Scoynes, um, you know, then uh, th- then let me know. It's a frustrating conundrum. That uh, You haven't got any ideas, have you, Kath? About what? Sorry? Um, ideas? Are you listening to the show? Yes. I'm just thanking your guest. OK. I missed that sentence. Oh, that's Tell fine. Tell me what you said. And I'll tell you what I think. A little, uh, a little, uh, a little recap oh, for you. I've got your number. I might call you back. Kels. Busy. Okay. Uh, if, have you any idea what the book was I was going to lend to Paul Scoynes? Okay. Uh, Mr Pink Whistle. Okay. Enid Blyton. Right. Sorry? There's a, there's a book called Mr Pink Whistle. Mm. You are joking. I'm not. Enid Blyton. I mean, she, we know that she was uh, rather fond of the N-word in her stories. Uh, and you're miming there that she used to pour water on well, her face. Well, I saw a thing. I saw a thing with uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, Carter. Yeah, let's say Carter. Why not? It's her name. OK, did she not marry Tim thingy? They're not married. They live next door to each other. All right. Oh, I live next door to uh, John. Am I not married to him. No, anyway, so um, and she she um, was rather fond of the old gin in that. Helen, you can't say Helena Bonham Carter is an alcoholic. No, I didn't say that. You, you just said in the thing where she was pretending to be Enid Blyton. Enid Blyton was rather fond of the old gin. Okay, and, and she took her children off upstairs. Right, and she was rather fond of the M word again. Enid Blyton, not Helena Bonham Carter. No, she doesn't like that. No, and she was also fond of pink whistles. Mister Pink Whistle. Okay. He's a magical creature. Now who are we? <laughs> And what does this magical creature do? Yeah, all kinds of mischief. Oh, for goodness sakes. There's no more fanny. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Okay, on the roads across the three counties this morning, it's building up on the anti-clockwise M25 at 26, heading into the roadworks at the Waltham Abbey exit. M1's moving very well on the cameras currently, certainly busy but moving on the southbound side towards the M25, and no problems reported on the A1M or the M40. Uh, the North Circular in London already building up through Palmer's Green, Clockhouse to Bounds Green Road on the westbound side, and First Capital Connect, if you're heading through London, well, disruption south of London Bridge down towards East Croydon because of overrunning engineering works down at Norwood. Junction. James Wally, BBC Three Counters Radio. James, thank you very much indeed. Some of you are wondering, well, hang on a second, where's Alice Glossop? At some point this week, she's going to be in this studio making me cups of tea. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, I'm Simon Oxley. The charity Alzheimer's UK says it's deeply concerning that a pensioner with dementia was moved into a care home by Milton Keynes Council without her son's knowledge. A woman from Luton whose son has been missing in the Himalayas for six months has confirmed items found near human remains belong to him. Margaret Allpress travelled to Nepal where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. And police in South Buckinghamshire have confirmed that a vulnerable woman missing since last week is a serving police sergeant with the Thames Valley Force stationed at High Wycombe. 43-year-old Louise Gibson was last seen in her home village of Great Kingshill at 5.30pm on Thursday. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two, with nine more players leaving the club, including leading scorer Francois Zoko. But club captain John Ashton and stalwart goalkeeper Chris Day have signed new contracts. Cambridge have joined Luton in being promoted back to the Football League. Cambridge beat Gateshead 2-1 in yesterday's conference playoff final at Wembley to end a nine-year stay in non-league. The three-time Formula One world champion Sir Jack Brabham has died at the age of 88. He founded Brabham Racing and is still the only man to win the championship, driving a car which he had designed and built. The Australian commentator, Will Hagen, says Sir Jack left a lasting mark on motor racing. The crazy combination of a low-cost engine done by a handful of Australian engineers working all sorts of funny hours in England. Um, Blow me down, they cobbled together a car that gave Jack his third world championship when he turned 40 years of age. First time it was ever done and it will never be replicated. No question of that. Sir Bradley Wiggins has revealed he's eager to help his Sky teammate Chris Froome to retain his Tour de France cycling title. After becoming the first Briton to win the Tour of California, Wiggins revealed he's happy to play a backup role if selected. Wasps beat Stade Francais 30-29 at Wickham yesterday in the first leg of rugby's European Champions Cup playoff tie. The teams play the second leg in France next week to qualify for next season's replacement for the Heineken Cup. And Miguel Angel Jimenez has become the first player over 50 to win on golf's European Tour with victory at his home tournament, the Spanish Open. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next full bulletin is at seven. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Nesta McGregor. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Ooh. Better. Yeah, but look, you, you got a knot in your um, uh, uh, lead. I don't care. OK. I, uh, it's the way I roll. OK. Steve's on the line. Morning, Steve. Morning. Steve, what would you like to say? No, oh, I just haven't been usual morning mode, I suppose. OK, we've, well, I don't think we've mentioned foreigners today, but go on. 
people with them. They're lovely people. <laughs> you feeling all right? <laughs> anyway, yes, Stephen. Moan about the house price. That was <laughs> that was the lady Marion, whose um, uh, house prices. Well, it's it's dropped dramatically because of HS2. Yeah, all right, I'll sympathise with her in a way, but there's a lot of people out there that haven't even got a house or haven't even got second home to rent out. So, so what? you think yourself lucky. So what? Yeah, what's she moaning about then? Well, she's I'm moaning... that moaning the... about her, moaning about she's going to lose value on her second home. Yeah, but, but, but Steve, it, it's an investment in her future. It's a, that's her pension, basically. Yeah, but an investment can go up and down in the big picture. Not, as soon as you buy a house... Or whatever, it doesn't mean it's going to go up forever. Yeah, but when, when it's when it's gone down considerably because of what many people consider to be a folly, uh, then surely you have a right to be upset. Oh yeah, of course you. No, I'd be upset. We'd all be upset. But on the bigger scale of life and the picture outside her window, it, that's the end. It's not the end of the world, is it? You're very spiritual today, Stephen. <laughs> I know. I love people. I yeah, love okay. Yeah, thanks. That wasn't that wasn't our Stephen Dunstall, was it? Nah. No. No. It's imposter. No, that wasn't our Steve from Dunstable, was it, Kels? It was my Steve from Dunstable. Oh, I don't know what that means. No, but it makes you feel a little bit <laughs> Do you want to do a story first and then we'll do um a record and then we'll do a story? Uh, we'll do a record first. Yeah. <laughs>
Morning. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the phone. Now, if you agree with uh, Steve from Dunstable that Marion was... Um, was moaning unnecessarily because her second property's value has dropped dramatically. Give us a call. I think it's a little bit harsh of Stephen to suggest that, but, but some people, some people may be jealous, and uh, kind of a it serves you right kind of attitude. Um, listen, if things ever go wrong, I've started this sentence badly. <laughs> yeah, you have because I know what you've got to go to. Just saying this. Just saying, I'll, I'll back away from where I was going, and I'll say there's hope for all of us to set up small independent businesses, even in later age. Yes. Britain's OAP hooker still turning tricks at 85. <sighs> Great headline: Old as brass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I told my family to stuff it when they asked me to stop this. I love sex and I know I am very, very sexy. Well, well, the picture would kind of imply otherwise. Surrounded by China knickknacks. <laughs> and family photographs. 85-year-old Sheila Vogel Coop looks like any other great-grandmother. Well, apart from you can see a stocking Well, tops. this is it, but pay closer attention and you notice a glimpse of suzzies and stockings under her smart black dress and a devilish glint in her saggy old eye. Wow. No, you put that in. Yeah. This is no ordinary pensioner, but Britain's oldest prostitute who charges 250 quid an hour for romps with men as young as 20. First of all, I've never romped in my life. Well, I'm not... I'm not 100% sure what a romp is. Romp implies you need to have some room. I would say there's some bounding gets done. You need uh, to be running about a bit first. I think, I don't she think does. that's happening. I think she does binding. Uh, Sheila of Posh St John's Wood, North London, said of her clients, they see something about me. They see something about me. It is a nice feeling. What does that mean? Uh, anyway, she's uh, 85. There's a picture of her on uh, page 13 of the sun. I don't want to be rude, but flipping heck. 250 quid, you're having a laugh, love. You're having a laugh. What have you got, Catherine? You know Yorkshire? Um, they, I've heard it's of it, place, yes. Right? Um, well, they have a thing where they invite people in uniforms to um, come and rerun the, the fun of the Second World War. Oh, great it. memories of the Second World War. Yeah, so 25,000 people, many in period costume, flock to Haworth every year, the yep. West Yorkshire town's 90, 1940s Homefront Festival, which highlights the heroics of those involved in the Second World War, except some of the tea shops have taken a stand oh. against Nazi Germany by banning SS insignia. What? They're not real SS soldiers, they're just blokes dressed up. Although, why you'd want to walk around like that? Well, but it's... Uh, um, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with dressing up as a Nazi soldier. If... Uh, well, hang on a second, let me finish the sentence, guys! If you're part of a World War Two Reenactment. Reenactment. I mean, you're not... If you're going around and saying, hey, you know what the Nazis did in World War II? Actually, that was pretty sound political and ideological thinking. Yes, that's inappropriate. But it's just, it's role-playing, it's acting. It's when, you know, people playing um, cowboys and Indians, people playing um, uh, playing war, playing war. People, mm. you know, I don't see the problem with it. When the rock band Kiss play in Germany... They have to change their logo as the uh, double S is reminiscent of oh, the yes, SS. Is. So they have to have a soft S. On their Good story. Thanks very much. I didn't know that was a thing. I've noticed. I listened to the podcast this week. I don't normally listen, but I thought I might as well. I and mean, it's not bad. What have you noticed? I've noticed that whenever I do a really, really good story, like an excellent story, you and Curls will be silent for a second and then say, good story. You don't need to do that. People know it's a good story. You don't need to, to kind of punctuate well, it. Well, uh, you know, we have to say something. We haven't got a drum kit. Kels? 
a good point. Thank you very much. Better. It's an improvement. She's listening. Go on, what you got? Good to check. What have you got in my newspaper? I folded over um, all the stories. You know that Brooklyn Beckham? Yeah. He's the son of um, David Beckham. And the lady. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah. And yeah. Victoria Beckham. Yes, yeah, the fella. Was Adams. Yes. He's got a job in a coffee shop. What the? Yeah, his parents have said, we're not bankrolling you and your Gucci shoot. Oh, hang on a minute, we are a bit. But you can buy your own Beano's or whatever. He's got a job in a West London coffee shop where he's paid £2.68 an hour. Flippin' heck. Due to his age, he can't work for more than seven hours a day and has to be given an hour's break after four hours. Now, I... He's 15. I, I saw this yesterday, and it said uh, he works like any other 15-year-old boy. Well, yeah, except any other 15-year-old boy. There was a picture of him in the coffee shop. Doesn't have a, a reporter from The Sun on Sunday going around taking photos. Uh, if this is true, brilliant. I'm not convinced by it. What do you think? There might be a tie-in? I think there's something going they on. They never do anything just for <laughs> appearance. Is. Ah, but yeah, young people, fifteen-year-olds should work. Yeah, of course they should. What did you do? B jams. Were you? Oh yeah, you. I was were. at B jams at fifteen, and Mr. Campbell, who was the manager, um, I wasn't allowed to work at fifteen, so he, we lied. We forged my age to sixteen. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. I think I was largely babysitting, and then sometimes I did a kids' music and movement class. Wow. Yeah, because. The person I was working for had a little sort of music school on a Saturday morning. And, and I quali- was there. What qualifications did you have to teach music and movement? Uh, I could move and um, I knew about music. Terrifying story here, guys. I was there anyway. I was taking classes myself. A 16-foot python crushed my dog to death. British mother tells of her terrifying idea. This is a terrifying story. If you've got a pet or anything like that, listen to this. A pet was crushed to death by a 16-foot-long python in front of a mother and her two horrified young children. Charlie, a mongrel cross, had run ahead of the family along a path in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong? Of course there's got be snakes in Hong Kong. It's, isn't it? it's, it's China. It's, what, what's this doing in the newspaper? Panic over. Stand down. There are no pythons but in she Britain. was a British mother, so we should care more. So, something bad happened in a foreign country. Yeah, they do. They're not Britain. Now, since we gave Hong Kong back to the Chinese, it's gone completely to pot. You know, I told you last week my engine management light had gone on. Yeah. And I had to take the car in. It's not even a year old. Yeah. It's gone off again. Yeah, it does. Do I not have to take no. it in then? No. Why would it the engine that? management light is one of it's a trickster. It's one of the great mysteries of the world, uh, and it just comes on when it fancies it. If I take it in without the light being on, are they going to look at me like I'm an idiot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they won't be able to plug it in and see what's the matter. No, no. Really? No. Why are you doing the chewing the sweet thing? You're being manly. quite good by Excuse me. So I'm doing it uh, again now. I mean, my engine management light comes on <laughs> three or four times a year, <laughs> and then it goes off again. Sometimes, if I go over a road bump, it goes off. Oh. So I wouldn't worry about it. So I should cancel my appointment, or should I take it in just in case? I don't know what to do. I don't care. Engine management. Call me now. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Great story. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
rather heavy on the M1 heading southbound between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and Junction 9 for Redbourne. And in Harpingdon looking rather heavy at the moment on the sensors on St Albans Road in both directions at Station Road. Taking a look at the M25 heading anti-clockwise very slow at the moment on the sensors between Junction 21 the M1 and Junction 19 for Watford. Also heavy between 18 at Chorleywood and 16 the M40. Heavy in Bricketwood on the North Orbital Road just off the M25 and on the trains we are seeing disruption on First Capital Connect. That's between London Bridge and East Croydon due to some un- overrunning engineering work. So do check before heading to the station. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Nicola, thank you very much. 6.46, it's Monday the 19th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The charity Alzheimer's UK says it's deeply concerning that a pensioner with dementia was moved into a care home by Milton Keynes Council without her son's knowledge. A woman from Luton whose son has been missing in the Himalayas for six months has confirmed items found near human remains belong to him. Margaret Alpris travelled to Nepal where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. And in sport, the clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two with nine more players leaving the club. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It looks like another beautiful day right the way across all three counties. Bit of a hazy start this morning. We've got some mist out there, but it won't take long before that clears. Blue sky, sunshine, and temperatures getting up to a maximum of around 24, maybe even 25 Celsius later. Nice end to the day. Evening sunshine. Once the sun sets, though, near 9 o'clock, we'll start to see some patchy cloud and also one or two showers. We run the risk of some isolated ones. Those could be quite heavy. We may get a flash or two of lightning. Minimum temperature, though, staying mild. Double figures, 11. 12 Celsius. For Tuesday, a bit more in the way of rain, I'm afraid, but we should get some sunny intervals between those heavy, thundery showers, and the temperature is still respectable. We're looking at a maximum tomorrow of 22 Celsius. And that's your forecast. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni. You've told 580 gags in one hour. Can I yeah. test you for one minute? I spent the whole year trying to get into classical music. It took the four seasons. Weekdays from three. We heard from Neil earlier on. He claims he was discriminated against and asked to leave a pub because he injected himself in public in full view. Insulin keeps my son alive, OK? If he doesn't inject, he'll die. Roberto Peroni. And I just thank you for the services that you do on here to help people like myself. Weekdays from 3 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Dedicate this song to all of the lovers out there this morning. Hope you're enjoying each other's company. At least snuggled up in bed. Maybe meeting secretly before work.
Well, it, I'm looking at the picture. It looks like graffiti. It looks like graffiti, but it's powerful graffiti. Did you see this, guys? No. What's this? This is uh, Penny Laden tweeted this. I don't know who she is, but somehow I stumbled across it. This is a, uh, uh, she describes it as beautiful micro poetry. Okay, but listen to this. You are a ghost driving a meat-covered skeleton made from stardust riding a rock floating through space. Oh yeah. Fear nothing. I've heard that before. Sorry. Who said that before? Someone else has used it somewhere. What? It's on a toilet wall. Yeah. Yeah? Someone I know. Julian Lennon, Saltwater. Oh, for goodness sakes. That's a, we are a million children rolled into one. Oh, no, hey, we yeah. are a rock revolving around a golden sun. We are a million children rolled into one. No, but it doesn't, say you, are a, it doesn't say you are a ghost. Think about. We are a million children rolled into one. No, he doesn't say you are a ghost driving a meat-covered skeleton made from stardust riding a rock floating through space, fear nothing. That's what he meant, though. No, but those are them's powerful words. Yeah. Great story. Oh, flippin' heck. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Nesta McGregor. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Ian Lee. Doctors in Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes have asked for more time to review health services in the area. Clinical advisors now have an extra month to analyse what they say are complex issues thrown up by the review, which was sparked by problems in Bedford Hospital's paediatric department. Final report will be published at the end of July. Well, Diane Bell is the Director of Strategy at Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group. Joins me now. Morning, Diane. Good morning. Why is this extension needed? Well, um, a lot of the clinicians involved find that actually uh, they really needed to unpick and understand better what was going on and, and what advice was coming in from, from elsewhere and what, what uh, best practice was being suggested. And they said, well, you know what, to get this right, this is really important, let's take the time it deserves and, and uh, invest in it. Remind us why this review was needed. Well... As you know, the population is growing older, there's more of us, there's more people needing more health care, and our services are, are set up the way they were 60 years ago, not necessarily for the 21st century. So we need to look at everything in the round. We need to look at everything from general practice right through to hospital care and work out what's best for us. 
it, it could be argued that this does leave local people in limbo, doesn't it? They're not quite sure what's happening, what's going to happen, what, the, what their hospital will be like. Yeah, I appreciate that's true. It's also true for staff as well, which is why we're absolutely certain these new milestones will be met, because the, the sooner we get to an answer, the better. But this is a big, complicated question, and it's important we get it right. When are we likely to know more about the future of, of the health services in Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes? And, and, and what if people don't like the outcomes? Do they just have to, to lump it? Well, we're really talking to as many people as we can right now, right at the minute, before the, the report's produced. The report will come out at the end of July, uh, and then it'll be considered by both Milton Keynes and Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Groups and by NHS England, all of whom buy healthcare services on behalf of the people of Bedfordshire. There then will be a big consultation uh, later in the summer and in the, into the autumn, and we'll have an opportunity again to hear from people as to what they think about the options that are coming out. So plenty of opportunity for people to get involved and let us hear what they think. Diane, thank you very much. No doubt we'll speak at a, a, a later date uh, about this at some point. That's Diane Bell, Director of Strategy at Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group. If you want to give us a call this morning, the, 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 the main question of the day is, what was the book I was going to lend to Paul Scoynes? If you've got any ideas... 08459 four double five five double five. Kath, were you ever um, uh, a brownie? N- uh, mm. Oh. No, but I was a... Um, a beaver? No, I was a ranger guide, so I used to work with the brownies. W- what's a Pourquoi? ranger guide? It's a guide that's too old to be guides. What? So you're yeah. a grown woman? I was uh, probably about 17. So this was two years after you'd been spe- teaching uh, musical youth? <laughs> yes. But you then went and... I was a pillar of the community, like... So what, uh, Kelly, I'm not even going to ask you if you're a brownie. Why? Because I bet you weren't. I, I was. Were I was, you? I was a great brownie. What did you do in the brownies? Loads of different things. Like what? I was a pixie. That was. See, there's all these different ones. The beavers, the pixies, the rainbows. rainbows yeah. um, I wasn't in brownies because where I grew, well, when I started out my life, uh, we didn't have brownies. We had GFS. What the? What is that? Hang the on a minute. Am I supposed fr- to know what that means? The Girls Friendly Society. Oh, <laughs> oh here we go. Brownies on a... Yeah. And then he used to say things like, make new friends but keep the old. One is silver and the other's gold. Which one's gold? Because that's the one I want. Oh. I was in the Cubs, and um, we all know what happened to me in the Cubs. Very suspicious activities were taking place. We won't dwell on those today. But, not to me, but to, uh, anyway. But, uh, everyone says, oh, dib, 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 dob, dob, dob. No one says it. No one's ever, no one's ever said that okay. in the Cubs. Well, exactly, I don't know. Oh, cut, dib, 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 dob, dob. What does that mean? Was I it know- a Benny Hill thing? I don't know. I know what a woggle is. Yes. I had oh, a woggle. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, a little woggle. Uh, R. Kayla, G- we'll G- do our best. Yeah. All that stuff. In the GFS, we didn't have a uniform. We just had a neckerchief. You can't... That's anarchy. You can't have, you can't have no uniform just, anarchy. Just a neckerchief. Because the, um, the, the, uh, the Cubs were like... They were supposed to be like a sort of little army, weren't they? In case... If, if we lost World War II... I think I've got this right. Yeah. Uh, and all set the, the babies on you. All of the... Yeah, exactly. All, like baby commandos. If all of the soldiers were killed, then the Cubs were like the last form of defence. Yeah. They wouldn't have been much good. I didn't really enjoy the Cubs. We had to wear clots. Hmm? We had to wear clots. In Are they like clots? They're like <laughs> just the very same thing. But with a, with a vowel in that you've, <laughs> you've missed. <laughs> I, I like clots. I've got a lot of time for clots. Well, they're deceptive. They're like an optical illusion. <laughs> Ooh, so, oh, it's, just, oh no, it's trousers. Um, not uh, trousers. But, they're not trousers. Well, they're clots. Yeah. So they've got legs. As opposed to a skirt, which has just got one leg. Yeah, but they're like, it's a short, it's a skirt short. It's a flappy short. short. Skirt, skirt, yeah. It's a short skirt. Uh, anyway, the brownies are um, 100 years old today. Good for them. Congratulations, one and all. Who's the head of the brownies? Because Bear Grylls is the head of the Cubs, isn't he? Barnow. What? 
Oh, man alive. <laughs> Did you press something then? Press stop. Oh. Hoping that it would stop you. Oh. It hasn't. I have no button. Oh. <laughs> Get your best go to travel. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. You can tell us about being in the brownies and the. Cu- I do think these things are grossly overrated. The brownies and the cubs. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan at all. It's good clean fun. What are you talking about? Well, it wasn't where I was. Well, it was. Things have changed. I hope so. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. You can tell us your brownie and your guides uh, stories and your cub stories. Also, what was the book I was going to lend to Paul Scoynes? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound, very slow moving at the moment between Junction 11 Dunstable Road and Junction 9 for Redbourne. The A1M is looking heavy as well, just around Junction 7 for Stevenage. Also in Harpingdon, heavy moving on St Albans Road. That's in both directions at Station Road. And taking a look at the M25, heading anti-clockwise, very slow at the moment between Junction 21, the M1, and Junction 19 for Watford. In Brickywood, very slow at the moment on the North Orbital Road, just off the M25. And so far in Borehamwood, very slow moving on the Barnet Bypass. Now that's heading southbound between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. So far taking a look at the trains and we are seeing disruption on First Capital Connect between London Bridge and East Croydon. Now that's due to some overrunning engineering work so do check before heading to the station. Nicola Richards at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Scott has just messaged me, direct messaged me. Oh dear, Kath. I don't know what that's in reference to. We'll investigate, we'll find out more, and, you know, we'll just do stuff. We'll have a laugh and after the news, shall we? I mean, I'm not that busted, whatever. Local and vocal across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, dementia charities concern after patient moved by Milton Keynes Council. Remains found in Luton Mum's Himalayas search for missing son. And Buckinghamshire woman criticises HS2 compensation. BBC Three Counties Radio. The charity Alzheimer's UK says it's deeply concerning that a pensioner with dementia was moved into a care home by Milton Keynes Council without her son's knowledge. It comes after the Court of Protection ruled that the way they dealt with the 81-year-old was woefully inadequate and her human rights had been breached. This is what her son told the BBC. His words are spoken by an actor. I returned from a short trip to the local town to pick up a valve radio I'd bought for Mum at auction. On my return, Mum's carer told me two social services people had been and taken her to a place of safety. I was flabbergasted. Everyone was. A woman from Luton whose son has been missing in the Himalayas for six months has confirmed items found near human remains belong to him. Margaret Allpress travelled to Nepal where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. The remains have been taken to a hospital for official identification and to discover the cause of death. The American drugs giant Pfizer has made what it says is a final offer to take over its UK rival AstraZeneca. The proposed bid of £55 a share values the firm at £69 billion. The plans have become controversial with warnings of job losses and damage to British scientific research. Doctors have been given an extra month to review health services in Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes. They say the ongoing review, sparked by problems in Bedford Hospital's paediatric department, has thrown up complex issues. More from Lee Agnew. 
Clinicians have requested this extension so they have more time to analyse the review, looking at hospital, community and GP services. They say the delay will result in a more comprehensive final report at the end of July. Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group says because crucial decisions need to be made, it's vital that they get it right. The public will get the chance to have their say in the autumn. Police in South Buckinghamshire have confirmed that a vulnerable woman missing since last week is a serving police sergeant with the Thames Valley Force stationed at High Wycombe. 43-year-old Louise Gibson was last seen in her home village of Great Kingshill at 5.30pm on Thursday. A Buckinghamshire woman has criticised the compensation scheme for those affected by the planned HS2 rail line after discovering she's not eligible because she rents out her property. Marion Clayton from Wendover told Ian the house was bought as an investment for her old age. The whole purpose of this was that in my old age I would be independent of the state. Clearly, if things stay as they are at the moment, that is not going to happen. It's more than frustrating, it is infuriating. I find it absolutely disgraceful. In sport, the clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two, with nine more players leaving the club, including leading scorer Francois Zoko. And Cambridge have joined Luton in being promoted back to the Football League after beating Gateshead 2-1 in yesterday's conference playoff final at Wembley. The weather, another dry and warm day, maximum temperature 23 degrees Celsius, and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. I just I just think it's an absolutely fantastic place to live. And all this week, we're featuring Wendover. My dad actually worked at uh, Halton Camp and he got posted. It's all about where you live. I moved here because my husband and I wanted to start a family. It's just all such a lovely place. It is a sustainable village. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's four minutes past seven. It's beautiful, more beautiful morning. A bit too hot last night, wasn't it? Wasn't it? It was too hot last night. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. You know, I prefer it cold. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including council is criticised over disappearing dementia patients. HS2 is criticised over disappearing compensation. Disappearing another thing. We're also talking about the uh, the, the brownies, the guides, the cubs, and uh, working at 15. Did you do it? Would you make your kids work at the age of 15, or do you think it's a little bit harsh? 81333, start your texts, 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. David Beckham has uh, encouraged, made, I don't know, his son Brooklyn to go and get a job at the age of 15 working in a coffee shop as a barista, barrister, barista, barista. Barista. I don't think he's got a legal qualification. This is the thing that confuses me. What? What is it? How is it pronounced? I think it's supposed to be barista. Why? You, you, you make coffee. Yeah, you're a coffee maker. You're a tea's maid. You're a walking tea's maid. Deal with it. But if that is you that makes our coffee, delicious. Thank you Oy, so much. Isn't it? Ah, well, we know who, who makes our coffee. Paul needs Scoins. to make another one. Paul Scoins or Kelly Betts. One of those two needs to get off their backsides, one's bigger than the other, and make us a nice cup of cough calf. Baristas. Here we go. 
Uh, what job did you have at the age of 15? And do you think it's right making your kids work at the age of 15? Oh, wait. 459 four, double, five, five, double, five. Dennis is in Dunstable. Morning, Dennis. Good morning. I'm sorry that you weren't on BAFTAs last night. I was expecting you to get an award. I, do you know what, Dennis? After last week's success, I've decided to let some other people have a go. Well, I looked, I looked. I thought you'd been on television at least twice this month. Yep, sorry? So I, I said you'd been on television mm. at least twice this month okay. advertising your programme. I thought they could have, they could have recognised the genius and yes. given you an award. Well, the, 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 it's the British Academy of Film and Television yeah, Awards, well, and I'm... You know, it doesn't... But you're very, very kind, Dennis, well, if a little not? bit creepy. <laughs> anyway, starting work at 15. Yep. I started at 14. Up a chimney? Uh, yes. Well, I was... Well, it was day after war was declared, I went straight into a company where I was serving an apprenticeship. But that was the old days when people were stupid back then and we didn't no, have respect they for... stupid. Sorry? They weren't stupid. They didn't have health and safety people breathing down their neck. That was a problem. Yeah, but more people died in industrial accidents. Well, that's right, but then... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's all right, then. Oh, that's fine, then. We didn't think anything about falling over and scratching your knees, falling out of a tree, for God's sake. Dying, the... losing an arm in an industrial well, machinery. Do, yeah. Oh, yes. Well, having your hair Get, pulled off. Getting your hair pulled that's... off, getting a tie caught in yeah, a, a spinning right. jenny and having your throat ripped out. Well, if you're daft enough to allow it to happen, what can I expect? No, you're right. If you're daft enough to wear a tie near a spinning jenny, you deserve to die. That's why I've never worn... I don't even wear a wedding ring for that reason. I've seen a fellow no. have a finger pulled off with a ring, so I said I would never wear a ring. I didn't want to lose any of my little peggies. And also, uh, by, by not wearing the wedding ring, Dennis, uh, you know, you, you're still playing the field. There's no way that I couldn't be anything else but married. I look careworn... Oh, dear God. We know. We've seen a picture. I know. <laughs> well, anyway, I say at 15, I'd already been working a year, and I was, actually I was working in part of the factory where they're making anti-aircraft guns. I was working uh, at 13. Yeah. I was doing one of those. Do they still do this when you deliver the free papers? Yeah. Kelly, guess how much I got paid for delivering free papers? A tuppence. Haypenny a paper. Oh. A halfpenny of paper! What did that look like? Well, it's a tiny little thing. So if I delivered 200 papers, I got a pound. Tenner. Is that... You were overpaid. Hang on. You were overpaid. I no, started I got paid work. Pound. No, I got, no, hang on, I got the, back on the maths. Hang on. If I delivered... Okay, if I delivered 100 papers at a penny, I got a pound. No. What? A pound? What? Is that right? 100 papers at a penny or or an eightpenny? No, let's say a penny because it's easier. So it's a pound. Yeah. So I got 50 pence for 100 papers. That That can't be right, can it? it, I got a halfpenny of paper. Wow, what did you spend it on? (laughs) (laughs) It was overpaid. Overpaid. Thank you very much, Dennis. That's a true story. I got a halfpenny of paper. Flippin' heck! How many papers were you delivering again? Well, it would have been... Uh, probably, I mean, it's, it was probably a thousand. But then back then... A thousand papers? A penny sweet would have been like a Mars bar. <laughs> <laughs> You're such an idiot. A penny sweet was you a penny... You'd have got a five yeah, a thousand papers. Yeah, it would have been papers. big and juicy and good and... That, it was it was halfpenny a paper. That's insane. What on earth are my parents... Why did my parents just say, here's a fiver? <sighs> wow. Flipping... I mean, I dumped most of them, let's but be honest. You could get loads for that, though. 
No, you couldn't. I mean, I when was a lot this? Of money. This was 1986. 1986. I was working for a penny a paper. Flip it, heck. And you think these these people whinging about minimum wage now? Get over it, guys. Try living on a halfpenny a paper uh, a day. You weren't living on it though. To be fair, technically, you were spending I, it on. Technically, I was not living on it. I was not living on it. I was still living into the, the the bosom of my mother. Not like that. But what did you spend your wages on? Um, I mean, I guess I saved up for records. Saved up for records. Are they the same as records? Oh, for goodness sakes. 08459 455 555. What's the least amount you've ever earned? Haypenny a paper. Wow. Hey, guys, good news. The big tour's in Wendover this week, and there's one issue that everyone is talking about. It's not quite such good news. HS2, a four-mile stretch of the high-speed rail route will run through the village, and while some have stopped worrying about it, others hate the way it's being dragged out. In Ellsborough Road, residents are having to come to terms with its impact in different ways. Joined now by Ian Conway, whose house is just metres from the proposed line. Morning, Ian. Morning, Ian. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks very much. Tell me about your situation. What's happening? Uh, we're, uh, as you say, uh, just on the uh, centre of the line, and um, the uh, kind government's going to buy our house, and um, we'll have to move somewhere. How long have you lived there? Uh, we've been in Wendover about 25 years, I think, um, yeah. but uh, in the house, uh, 20 years. 20 years. O- yeah. Only 20 years. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about it? Um, it's, uh, it's a crazy project. It's a political football that... Um, uh, nobody really wants to uh, throw out. Um, it's got full party support. So um, I kind of um, resign myself to uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to affect the outcome now um, in many petitions. So um, kind of resign to the fate and have to just decide where else I'm going to live. It's interesting that you say you're, you're resigned because we have spoken to so many people who uh, 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 seem like they're not going to give up. But, but you, um, you have. You've accepted what's going to happen. Well, uh, there are many people who are affected in different ways. I mean, uh, the residents of uh, Wendover, when my house is demolished, they all still have to live here and have 200-mile-an-hour trains rushing through a tunnel. Uh, so uh, it's going to have a massive effect. We've got the bypass at the moment, which yeah. wasn't um, uh, necessarily uh, that kind to Wendover in, it, to some people. Um, are you happy with the... I, I don't, don't need to know figures, Ian, of course, but are, are you happy with the figure that's being offered, or has that not been discussed yet? We haven't um, started that process. Okay, okay. The timing is very important because, um, obviously, uh, you're going to have to move to another house and whatever value of the house at the time um, is settled, then you have to move. Yeah. So um, we don't want to rush into it. I have two daughters in the um, lovely grammar schools in Aylesbury, so um, I think uh, they need to finish their education. Yeah. Are you going to move out of the area completely? Uh, tough question. Um, Wendover is such a unique place um, and a beautiful place. Um, we may have to, uh, because obviously there's a lot of property that's going to uh, disappear or be less desirable. So um, we may have to uh, move further afield. Do you not begrudge the fact that you're being booted out of your house after 20 years? Uh, as I said, it, you know, uh, you could get very emotional about this, and um, it, it, it will be an emotional thing to leave um, a house, probably for my daughters that have lived here all their lives. Um, but um, uh, you can't affect the government machinery. I mean, the, the best best thing I can hope for is um, UK PLC gets catches a cold, and they say, 
do you know what, let's build some power stations instead and have uh, energy security rather than rushing around the country. Have some people moved out of their homes already, Ian, or has that not happened yet? Yes, yes. Some, uh, there's, a, there's a number of very elderly people that live along this road and um, uh, some have uh, uh, moved out, uh, some have died, sadly. Um, so um, uh, there is, our neighbour has settled now, so yeah. they, they know where they're going. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a difficult life decision. I think other life decisions come in the form of jobs. You, know, you have to move for your job. This is um, particularly unfortunate because um, it's not being driven by uh, some other agency for, for job purposes. As you say, it's for train purposes. Ian, listen, I, I wish you the very best of luck. It's, um, it sounds like you've, uh, you've accepted and surrendered to it, which I, I, I guess makes things perhaps a little bit easier uh, for you. Ian Conway there, who uh, lives in uh, Ellsbury Road. His house is metres from HS2 08459 455 555. Lots of things on the go, including what was your first job? Did you, did you work at the age of 15? I think it's a good idea to get kids... Do kids do paper rounds anymore? I don't think they do. The people that deliver our um, newspapers here at Three Counties, lovely gentlemen, I often wave to them if I catch them, they come in a big white van. You don't get kids on bikes anymore. Um, my paper boy comes with his mum. What? She's often pulling the trolley. You're joking. Yeah, and some mornings it's just her. That's insane. Insania. How much? What's the going rate for a paperboy these days? No I want one. I'm joking. How, yeah, how much? What is it? A tenner a week? Five a week? If your boy or girl, yeah, I know. Oh dear, uh, it's got a paper round. Could you let us know how much they earn, please? I'm just curious. Maybe I can make a few extra quid uh, before the show. It's worth it, isn't it? I've got a bike. Can yeah, do it. Got some free time. Got some free time. We can do it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC. Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound. One lane's blocked at the moment between Junction 12 for Flittick and Junction 11 for Dunstable Road. Now that's due to an accident that happened. Also looking rather heavy on the M1 between Junction 10 Luton Airport and Junction 9 for Redbourne. And in Harpingdon, rather heavy moving on the speed sensors on St Albans Road in both directions at Station Road. The M25 very slow heading anti-clockwise between Junction 21, the M1, and Junction 19 for Watford. Also looking rather heavy on the sensors between Junction 18 at Chorleywood and Junction 6 the M40. Usual delays in Brickett Wood on the North Orbital Road just off the M25. And the A1M's looking heavy around Junction 7 for Stevenage. Having a look at the trains, disruption on First Capital Connect between London Bridge and East Croydon because of overrunning engineering works. I'm Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. 7.16, it's Monday the 19th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The charity Alzheimer's UK says it's deeply concerning that a pensioner with dementia was moved into a care home by Milton Keynes Council without her son's knowledge. A woman from Luton whose son has been missing in the Himalayas for six months has confirmed items found near human remains belong to him. Margaret Alpris travelled to Nepal where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. And in sport, the clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two, with nine more players leaving the club. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC 
Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. Once you go out to the village, into the hills and things like that, you'll just see what a fantastic place it is. Inviting everyone to where you live. Well, I have to say its location is amazing. And all this week, we're featuring Wendover. We've got the Wendover Woods, it's a nicer community. If you've got a story everyone should hear about, let us tell them about it. We've got lots of facilities, great schools and all within a walking distance of each other. You're surrounded by countryside, but you've got all the facilities you want in Wendover. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks featuring Wendover from BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Claire Bear on uh, what? On uh, Twitter says my first job was at paper round in nineteen eighty three. I got seven pounds a week and about eighty quid in tips at Christmas. I thought I was rich. Eighty quid in tips? Oh, I'll have some of that, please. Fantastic. What was your first job? Uh, and how much did you get? Russ says I did a morning paper round seven days a week for thirteen quid a week. I topped it up by nicking the newsagent's fags and BT phone cards. Phone cards. Wowzers. We don't condone that behaviour. Outrageous, but do you remember phone cards? I do remember the phone. Do you remember they were collectible for a while? Because they have, like, different pictures Pictures. on and stuff. Phone cards. No one uses phone boxes anymore. It's like, I think the minimum amount of money you can put into a phone box is 80 pence. Really? I think so, yeah. So that spare 10p I've been carrying around is going to be useless. It's abs- If you need to um, make a call home in an emergency, that 10 pence is going to get you niche. Oh. You're going to get through to niche, obviously. I mean, that will, that will get you nothing. 08459 oh, four double five five double five. Now, the Court of Protection uh, has accused Milton Keynes' counsel of breaching a, pa- a dementia patient's human rights by moving her into a care home without telling her family. The 81-year-old has been looked after by her, was being looked after by her son when the local authority decided to intervene in a way that was branded woefully inadequate by the judge. The family wishes to remain anonymous, but we can now speak to their barrister, Cathy Gordon. Morning, Cathy. Morning. Cathy, what more can you tell us about the circumstances surrounding the decision to move this elderly lady? Well, the circumstances are clearly recorded in the judgment that has been publicised and published. Um, and the removal in itself on the 25th of October 2012 was, in fact, unlawful, entirely unlawful, as was the subsequent deprivation of liberty that occurred um, for approximately three weeks thereafter. What I can tell you is that... The council itself, for whatever reason, uh, they never really supplied any reason, entirely failed to investigate their concerns um, for approximately 15 months or so. Meanwhile, um, the um, lady concerned remained um, deprived of her liberty. That was subsequently authorised back in November of 2012, at the relevant care home she was residing in, but it also meant that the allegations, enormous number of allegations they made against her son, which they never strove to investigate or indeed to um, eventually evidence or prove, um, resulted really in some unwarranted restrictions upon his contact with her. And eventually, 15 months later, they determined that actually they weren't going to pursue the allegations that they had levelled against him. Uh, But that really came way too late for the lady concerned because by that time, her residence in that care home was a fait accompli. And it took almost two years, year and a half, 19 months, something like that, 
for a determination eventually for a court to make a ruling about what was um, in this lady's best interest. By that point, the only issue that was up for a court's determination and scrutiny was the nature of contact that sons should have with mother. So what were the, so really, what were the allegations against the son then? What, what, what were their concerns? Oh, oh, oh they ranged wide, widely and, and, and variously over um, 39 pages. All sorts of concerns, completely unproven, completely. For example, what were they suggesting? Well, effectively, the, 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 the nature and the cause of their concerns was that the lady concerned had some unexplained bruising, a series of unexplained bruises, um, to her head, to her face, um, to her leg, I think. Um, and the apex of their allegations was that he had caused them. Mm. But there was absolutely no, not a shred of evidence that anything of that sort, anything untoward, had occurred. He had been diligent in seeking out um medical treatment in all sorts of manners, in all sorts of, you know, areas and and concerns. He never, ever, he was never confronted with an actual open allegation. This is what you've done. Uh, This is what we suspect you've done. Obviously, she was not in a position to articulate um, herself. She, she, She couldn't ask direct questions. His position always was that if she had sustained any kind of bruising or injuries, um, reddening to the eyes, etc., etc. It, it, it had all been entirely, if you like, I suppose, self-inflicted or, or entirely accidental. She was treated medically with um, medications that, that, that indeed um, would, would, would probably lead to um, bruising occurring easily. In fact, once she was uh, deprived of her liberty in the care home, she, she sustained bruising um, uh, uh, again, consequent upon walking up a um, um, uh, a set of stairs leaning heavily upon banisters. So, but the allegations varied enormously, widely. They covered 39 pages in a schedule of allegations. The son went to see her one day. Uh, the mum wasn't there, and he no, did... no, 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 no. Son was living with mother. Right. And son had lived with mother since December 2009, yep. and had cared for her um, with a living carer and himself since December 2009 up until 25th of October 2012. Son went out for um, a specific errand, in fact, to go to a local auction to purchase uh, an old-fashioned radio, a, a radio yes. for, his, for, his, for his mother. Again, you know, all in order to assist her with the difficulties that she had. Um, because having old-fashioned stuff and stuff that, you know, is very um, dear and clear to you from, from earlier life was something that was, was very important to her. Yes. And when he came back, um, his mother had been taken. And his mother had been taken by um, two employees of Milton Keynes Council who had knocked at the door. Uh, The carer was there in the house with her. The carer spoke not very good English, was told, um, we are removing um, the uh, lady in question, pack a bag. Um, She, knowing not what she could or couldn't do, immediately demurred, packed a bag, and, and, and off went mother. Um, son came back home, flabbergasted, he says, uh, as so he, he, he would be, um, unaware, completely unaware of where she had been taken. He and they didn't tell him for 19 days? 19 days, and the only reason why um, there was uh, communication in the end was consequent upon a uh, letter of action that um, Son's solicitors, he went to seek out um, 
legal advice. Um, legal advice was we're going to issue a letter of action to um, Milton Keynes Council um, in relation to judicially reviewing the decision to take mother wherever mother has been taken. And their response was to that letter of action on the last day of, you have 31 days in which to, um, which was to issue court protection proceedings, which of course is something they should have done right at the outset in any event. But I mean, before you even move into that rather sort of large legalistic um, procedure, you know, there should have been all sorts of formal um, best interest meetings, safeguarding investigations, actually putting your cards on the table and saying, this is really what we suspect you were doing. Um, here is our evidence. Uh, what, what steps can we take to? Um, but none of that was, was what occurred. But the really deplorable thing, well, aside from that, is what happened over the course of the next 18 months. It took 18 months to get some sort of of court resolution, which is terrible, because there's no scrutiny, there's no um, forensic investigation of um, the merits, the legality, the law. Uh, we had a series of interim declarations, which is, is, is what the court is empowered to do under Section 48 of the Mental Capacity Act, but pending some outcome investigation um, uh, of, of the allegations they'd raised, but you never actually get a forensic investigation um, scrutinised by court. Has Milton Keynes Council apologised? They have apologised. They have. And they were ordered so to do by District Judge Mort on the 5th of um, April, I think it was, can't I remember. Um, and an apology was forthcoming. I thought it was quite a small apology, but anyway. There, there, how has this is. affected... Uh, I mean, how aware is the, is the mum of, of what's been going on, if, if at all? I am sure there is an awareness somewhere. Some would say that she has fleeting moments of... Um, some would say that she understands more than she is able to express, certainly. Um, and in any event, it matters not. It matters not whether she is fully cognizant of uh, the wrongs that have, been, that have been done to her. That doesn't matter. She has certain... Um, inalienable rights and they have been um, trampled upon really. He's been extraordinarily affected um, because he's had to, not only has his mother been taken from, obviously and not only has his contact and the quality of his life his contact was quite uh, rigorously curtailed within the care home um, because he was viewed as, as um, an offender mm. uh, and, and, and he there was all, all manner of vilification that was um, generated and broadcast about him so that he was considered not to be um, an appropriate or safe person amongst vulnerable people. I mean, that was, that was said quite openly. Mm. And he's had to fight every single inch of the way. He's been demonised. He's been... The allegations made against him, as I said, ran to 39 pages of... Extraordinary. Kathy, oh. I, I appreciate it's, it's an incredible story. We're, we're out of time, but I appreciate your time this morning. That's Kathy Gordon, who is uh, the uh, barrister for the family in this situation. Absolutely uh, incredible. 08459 four double five five double five. Just got to, uh, of course, say that we've tried to speak to Milton Keynes Council about this case. We've been told they will not be commenting on individual cases, but accept the ruling of the judge. <laughs> 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading it southbound. There's one lane blocked at the moment. Now that's between Junction 12 for Flitwick and Junction 11 at Dunstable Road. Now there's been an accident there causing delays. Looking very busy on camera at the moment. The M1 heading southbound also slow between Junction 10 Luton Airport and Junction 9 for Redbourne and Harpington. Very heavy moving at the moment in St Albans Road at Station Road. The M25 is looking heavy heading clockwise just around Junction 25 for Enfield. Now that's as you're heading through the roadworks area. Heading anti-clockwise on the sensors looking very heavy between 22 for St Albans and also 19 at Watford. The A1M's looking heavy, that's around Junction 7 for Stevenage and the Barnet Bypass looking heavy heading southbound between Stirling Way and Mill Hill Circus. On the trains, disruptions first capital connects between London Bridge and East Croydon because of an overrunning engineering works. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30, I'm Simon Oxley. The charity Alzheimer's UK says it's deeply concerning that a pensioner with dementia was moved into a care home by Milton Keynes Council without her son's knowledge. A woman from Luton whose son has been missing in the Himalayas for six months has confirmed items found near human remains belong to him. Margaret Allpress travelled to Nepal where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. And the UK drugs company AstraZeneca has rejected a £69 billion takeover bid from American rival. Pfizer. Pfizer made what it described as a final offer of £55 a share. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two with nine more players leaving the club, including leading scorer Francois Zoko. But club captain John Ashton and stalwart goalkeeper Chris Day have signed new contracts. Cambridge have joined Luton in being promoted back to the Football League. Cambridge beat Gateshead 2-1 in yesterday's conference playoff final at Wembley to end a nine-year stay in non-league. The three-time Formula One world champion Sir Jack Brabham has died at the age of 88. He founded Brabham Racing and is still the only man to win the championship, driving a car which he had designed and built. The Australian commentator Will Hagen says Sir Jack left a lasting mark on motor racing. The crazy combination of a low-cost engine done by a handful of Australian engineers working all sorts of funny hours in England. Um, Blow me down, they cobbled together a car that gave Jack his third world championship when he turned 40 years of age. First time it was ever done and it will never be replicated, no question. Sir Bradley Wiggins has revealed he's eager to help Sky teammate Chris Froome to retain his Tour de France title. After becoming the first Briton to win the Tour of California, Wiggins revealed he's happy to play a backup role if selected. Wasps beat Stade Francais 30-29 at Wickham yesterday in the first leg of Rugby's European Champions Cup playoff tie. The teams play the second leg in France next week to qualify for next season's replacement for the Heineken Cup. And Miguel Angel Jimenez has become the first player over 50 to win on golf's European tour with victory at his home tournament, the Spanish Open. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next full bulletin is at eight. Hang on. Oh, I can't keep playing Nesta's things. Hang on, let me try and find one of my... Oh, here we go. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Nick Coffer. Can't find BBC mine. Three Counties Radio. Can't find mine. I'm looking for mine and I can't find mine. I can find everybody else's, I just can't find mine. What do you expect me to do? If I can't find mine, I'm not going to fake it. Do one for me now, Kath. 
Ian Lee. Do it without the hint of sarcasm. Ian Lee. Thank you very much. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Lots of things to talk about this morning, including uh, the guides and the brownies and the cubs and the scouts. I, I really think they're grossly overrated. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. In the twenty first century, they're a little bit out of date, aren't they? We don't need them. What what do they what do they actually do? I think it's better now than when I was in the guides. We used to just play ladders. What? You know where you sit and on the floor opposite each other with your legs in the middle, and then you try not to let someone break them as they run up and down. Can I try not to break your legs now? Playing ladders. We used to play um, panzers and whatever the British tanks were. Panzers were Nazi tanks, weren't they, guys? Yeah. We would play play British... What were the the British tanks? Churchills? No. Uh, We used to play... Basically, we played Nazis versus the good guys. But that was the olden days. That's what people played. It wasn't the olden days... before Star Wars. In the 80s. It wasn't before Star Wars. (laughs) So we played Nazis versus the good guys as part of our things. And you basically, you're a tank, but you assume the position... You know, the, the crab position... Oh. You assume the crab position, so you've got your feet and your, your hands... So you're going groin first, are you? Yeah. Or head first? And then it, you kind of just had... I don't really... Do you remember how you played Nazis and good guys in terms of tanks in the Cubs? Hello. Sorry? Just to... And then you... He won't know. And then you basically... You just kind of had to um, charge at each other. Did you stick a leg up to be the um, cannon? No, no. There were no... Was it just I, knees then? I think so. I don't... I think there may have been rules. Oh, you should have come to guides. We were playing ladders. I'd love to have come to guides. But, um, I never did any badges. There were some of the other no. guide groups where they had armfuls of badges. I don't think I ever got one. Oh, we did. We did, but I didn't. I just didn't really like it. I, I was never. I think I may have been a seconder. If I remember this right, you had like six in a team. Yeah. Yeah. Sixes. Sorry. Sixes and seconds. So there was a six. I think I may have been a seconder. I didn't like any of the people there. I went on guide camp and ended up being sixer because everyone else went down with some kind of disease. What? Yeah, so gradually the tent emptied oh. and I ended up being the boss. I, I went of nobody, but I was the boss. I went on cub camp and it was a very sordid experience. But when we came, it was just, I didn't, I didn't get it. I, don't, I didn't like, the, the jumpers were really itchy as well. And also, here's another thing. I missed, because of cubs, I missed the Spider-Man um, the TV series. And I also missed uh, the Five Doctors. Oh. So I was, this is why I'm a bit bitter. I missed the five doctors, Just. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Got no idea what you're talking about, but uh, oh, dear, oh, dear. It was the anniversary of Doctor Who and there were five doctors. Oh, Doctor, oh, Doctor Who. This again. Sorry? <laughs> this again? I, th- I thought we covered this a year ago. Nobody cares about Doctor Who. Shut up, man. Everyone, Everyone thinks he's rubbish. You wait till Capaldi comes back. Oh, come you on. Wait. We've done that again. We've you done that again. Wait. Speaking of doing it again. Mm-hmm. You like? Have you seen page twenty six and page twenty seven in the mail? No. You like this? Come on. Were you ever in the Cubs? Uh, yes, I was. <laughs> I was. <laughs> were you? Yes, I was. But you know what? Yeah. Uh, when it came to moving on and going to the Scouts, yeah. I bottled it. Because then you get then you get the Venture Scouts, which which the Venture Scouts, you're grown men yeah. for God's sakes, wearing shorts. That's yeah. the male version of what I was. I was a ranger ranger guide. Oh, for goodness <laughs> sakes! It's, you're a grown person then. Go <sighs> go and start drinking and smoking tabs. <laughs> That's what you should be doing. Go and learn an to make a roll up and drink in Thunderbird in a park. The only good thing about being in the Cubs was the football on a Saturday. Oh. Now, you don't like the football, hey, so hey. there probably wasn't a lot for you to do at the, the just, Cubs or I've the Scouts. I've just remembered something. I've just, rem- you know, I've just remembered something about the football in the Cubs. Hmm, right? I, played, I played on the football team once. I think a lot of the other lads were sick. Yeah, <laughs> I bet they were. Because the, you're rubbish. None of the regulars would pass to me, right? Yeah. None of them would pass to me. And then one of them passed it to me. 
I'm like, I've got the ball. I'm totally, I'm, right. And so I'm dribbling the ball, right? Yeah. No one is getting anywhere near me. I'm thinking, this is, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I went and scored a goal. Right? I don't believe you. No, this is true. Yeah. And then someone said, what are you doing that for? We're just waiting for you to kick it back to the centre. <laughs> So I, there was me boss. dribbling all the way up there, scoring a goal, going, get in there! And they were just waiting for me to pass it. And someone else had already scored a goal. They were waiting for me to pass it to the centre. Oh, embarrassing, but I love it. There's a story in the, in the mail, Just. Yeah. Messages. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay, you'll like this. Okay. Messages from the dead. Mm, I believe in this stuff, you know I do. The drowned son who returns for bedside chats. The astronaut who spoke to his father's ghost. Impossible? Yeah, it is. No. This spine-tingling series may make you think again. It won't. Thought death was clear-cut? A new book, Opening Heaven's Door, will challenge your views. In the second part... Why are the newspapers obsessed with printing complete and utter bullshit? Is it because they're not allowed to hack phones anymore? <laughs> so they do it. This is the next best thing. They can't hack phones, so they're doing yep. this. They can't do cats in hats five days a week. Guys, guys, listen. Some people that, that, that I know have been to see mediums and they know information that only that person would know. How do you explain that? There's got to be something else out there. Here we Come go, on. look. This is, this is by Patri- Patricia Pearson. Yeah. Some surveys report that about half of these telepathic experiences occur in dreams. A musician, Rory McGill, oh, his name's printed, so it must be true, told me that on the night his father died, he had a vivid dream in which he climbed into his father's bed and held him in his arms. But in an instant, I was standing alone in the room. He was gone and the bed was empty and neatly made. The next day, his mother phoned. His father had died unexpectedly while Rory was dreaming about him. Mm. A mere coincidence... Highly unlikely. <laughs> mm. a, re- a review of spontaneous telepathy? Well, it's just complete and utter nonsense, love. Just because you're given a fella's name, don't mean it, it don't mean it's a fact. Do you want to hear something weird right now? <laughs> I get the feeling we're going to hear it anyway. Okay, do you, do you want to? Yeah, go on, why not? Okay, sure. I was having a, a bizarre conversation yesterday with somebody, okay? And this is absolutely true, okay? Uh, going back a few years ago, and thankfully this person did survive, but uh, they were on the 77 trains um, when they were bought, oh, the King's Cross trains. Okay. Now, okay. Instantly, we can't okay. do any jokes about no, this. No. All right, go the on. Day before, the day before it happened, yeah. this person claims to have seen the Grim Reaper, okay? And... You, you may be laughing, um, but... Who said but laughing? They told their friends and family, look, I've seen this figure. Yeah. I think I have seen the Grim Reaper. Gosh. I think I'm going crazy. Gosh. The next day, wow. they were on one of the trains wow. that got bombed. You explain that. OK, um, he had a dream about the Grim Reaper. And, and the next day, something really, really bad happened by coincidence. This wasn't a dream. This wasn't a dream. Well, when did he see them? The night before. Literally the night before. Did the uh, fella... The fe- did, the, did, did he die? No. So no. then what's the, that, so, so no, what? I'm just saying this person happened to survive, but what I'm saying is that things like that, don't you think they're just a bit weird? Well he saw the Grim Reaper, which is the symbol of death, and then he didn't die. So no, I don't think that's weird at all. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying. For me that's a, a bit spooky, a bit spine tingling. I've got something spooky. One day I watched Back to the Future. I watched film one, film two, film three. All in a row. Then my mum rang and said, Have you put the clocks forward? I said, What? She said, Got to put the clocks forward today. I I feel like I've wasted my echo on this story. (laughs) I didn't know if I was in the future or the past. Or the present. Present. 
I wasted the echo there. You saw, we saw video footage today, Justin, of, of a mermaid. Ah, yes, yes, I did see that. Um, incredible evidence. Yes. <laughs> was, where did you get that footage from, Kath? From the mirror. The Daily Mirror. If you've not seen it, it's nuts. Send me the link, because I'm going right. to retweet. I'll retweet okay. it at Ian Lee. It's um, some people... I, it's some people in a submarine. Mm-hmm. They happen to be filming something really boring, which always gets, you know... Yeah, really and then then a, then a mermaid turns up. <laughs> bangs on the window. <laughs> bangs on the window! Like a lout. Hi, guys! <laughs> Underwater lout. Not as hot as I'd imagined it, but mermaids are supposed to be hot, aren't they? No, I mean, the little mermaid was, bit, was hot. Uh, that was a bit reptilian. OK, I'll wait for, but send me the link and we'll put that on Twitter, at Ian Lee, 08459 The reason we've got you on, Justin, is not to, to mock your ridiculous old-fashioned beliefs. Yes. Although that's always fun. Mm. Uh, we're talking about uh, uh, Brooklyn Beckham. He's got a job at the age of 15. Yeah, good for him. Did you have a job? You started work ages, didn't you? Uh, well, uh, at a young age? Yeah, when I was 15 <laughs> years old, I was... Um, I, I, was, I, was, reading, a... I, was I, I read what's in front of me and I yeah. just read the word ages. Um, at 15 years old, I was a radio volunteer. Um, yes. I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, but also, yes. I was and running... Day, if you keep working, just one day you yes. might get a paid job. One day. Um, I was also running um, a disco business part-time. Day. Yeah, Beautiful. I used Yeah, I used to hire equipment, um, turn up to places, uh, put the price up and make a good mark-up on it. And then a year later... I bought my own equipment, and there I was. I was out there in the real world running mobile discos. I'm not quite sure what a disco business is. You're a uh, DJ. That, yeah, so basically, okay. you, you turn up with, with a, a, you know, a disco don't, equipment, don't, play a few tunes, yes, so entertain mo- people, yes. You were a mobile disco? Yes, yes. Why, why would you call it a disco business? Well, because it was a business. It was a disco, yeah. and it was my business, so it was a disco business. All right, mind your own business. Okay. Okay. You've been speaking to people about this. What have they had to say? Yes, yeah, so I've been asking people whether they've had uh, a job uh, when they were 15 years old and whether uh, that was beneficial to them. Um, here's what people in Hemel have been saying. Come on then, Joe. At uh, 15 years old, what were you doing? Um, I was working on a fruit and vegetable at Hemel Market. Really? Were, were you calling out different bits and pieces? Oh, no, he'd only let me box the, take the stuff and put it out the front and things like that. His ego would have been dented oh. if that had been you doing that. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> he loved yeah. it. So what do you think about kids working these days at 15? Have they got too much going on, or do you think that they should be working at 15? Well, I think they should be, because um, their parents are under enough stress already, and they expect money to be just handed to them. Yeah. You know, so really they, you know, need to um, get out and see what life's like, you know. So that experience for you at such a young age was was fantastic for you moving forward. It's, It's something that you certainly don't regret then. Oh, no, definitely not, no. You know, it gives you an insight into what work's going to be like when you finally leave school and, um, you know, get out there and see. Ian, tell me what job you were doing at the age of 15 when you were still at school. I was working... Uh, oh, part-time paper rounds for a local uh, newspaper rag. Uh, don't ask me the name of it cause I can't remember now. <laughs> I think it was something like the Enfield Observer or something. But, but doing that paper round at 15 years old, did that really help you? When you went into full-time employment, did it give you a sense of responsibility? Well, it just made me decide what I wasn't going to hang about once uh, school comes to an end and I'll just get a job that suited as soon as I could sort of end. Some people might say, just last, like, so some people might say, oh, do you know what, there's so much pressure on youngsters these days, you know, 15 years old, they don't need a job, they should be concentrating on their education. Did you manage to do both and, and do both quite easily? Well, education did work out for me, sadly, because I had a few things going on in family life, and so I just decided I needed to get out there and fulfil my own destiny, so that's what... <laughs> 
It all started with a paper round. Yes, that's what I did, basically. Well, Mark, you were doing, what, a paper round seven days a week at 15. You must have been exhausted. It was tiring. That before we went to school, soaking wet, raining, <laughs> back home for breakfast to school. I mean, what would you say to any parent who's listening to this right now who says, well, my young teenage son or daughter, they've got too much going on, they couldn't possibly have a, a part-time job like you had. What would you say to those people? What about the benefits of what you did? I think it, it helps you out when you get older. It gets you in the frame of mind to go out and earn some money and not rely on your parents. And just to clarify, because I'm already getting abuse on Twitter, and mm. people are very, very jumpy at the moment with all of the uh, stories that are going on, The Little Mermaid was 16 years old in that movie. Ah, uh, right, and I okay. preferred her in The Little Mermaid too, anyway, yeah. when she had a child. Good point. So, just, yep. just, just well to clear that. Well thank you very much indeed, Justin. 08459 455555. Yes, what's... Well, Kath? I did, how did The Little Mermaid have a child? She got legs, didn't she? She became a human. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's not like in the real story. I'm just where wondering. She melts the whole into the mermaid. sea. She does what? She melts into the, the sea. It's all about um, enjoy where you are. You, you know your place. Don't dream of going above the ocean. It's I, not for you, love. I like the film Little Mermaid. I've seen it well, about five or six times. My boys hate it. They're terrified of the uh, Ursula. The, 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 Ursula. What? Ursula. That's her name. Ursula. Yeah, the sea. Ursula. Oh. Well, if you knew it, why did you look at me like you needed me? Well, because you didn't answer. say it. You said Ursula. <laughs> What's what you keep missing out um, vowels today? Are you on a, you on a diet? A vowel just... diet? <laughs> <laughs> you got the, um, you got IBS. Irritable vowel syndrome. <laughs> yeah, end it there. No, don't say anymore because that was perfect. Great story. Oh, you ruined it. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound and has one lane blocked at the moment between Junction 12 for Flitwick and Junction 11 at Dunstable Road. We're actually seeing um, queues back from Junction 13 for Salford Road now on camera looking very slow. Also heavy on the M1 southbound between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and Junction 9 at Redbourne. And taking a look at the M25 heading anti-clockwise very slow on the sensors between Junction 22 for St Albans and Junction 19 at Watford. Also heavy heading clockwise just around Junction 25 for Enfield heading at through the roadworks area. In Watford, looking very slow at the moment on Rickmansworth Road, heading westbound, just after Beach and Grove. And so far, the A1M's looking heavy, heading southbound between Junction 8 at Stevenage and Junction 7. And on the trains, disruption to First Capital Connect between London Bridge and East Croydon due to those overrunning engineering works. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. I preferred her in The Little Mermaid too, when she was actually a, a fully grown woman. Sounds a lot like digging. <laughs> ah! Just aware there are a lot of cases that have been going on in recent... Anyway, anyway, 7.47, it's Monday the 19th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes Council has apologised after moving an 81-year-old dementia sufferer into a care home without her son's knowledge. The Court of Protection ruled that the way they dealt with the case was woefully inadequate. A woman from Luton, whose son has been missing in the Himalayas for six months, has confirmed items found near human remains belong to him. Margaret Allpress travelled to Nepal, where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. And in sport, the clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two, with nine more players leaving the club. 08459 455 555. We'll uh, take your phone calls after the weather with Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. It looks like another beautiful day across to all three counties with some blue sky and some sunshine. I'm just noticing a peppering of showers just flirting with parts of Milton Keynes. So if you do get a spot or two of rain, don't be too alarmed. It shouldn't last for too long. We should get some blue sky. It's going to feel very warm as well. A light southeasterly breeze and temperatures similar to yesterday. We're looking at a maximum of around 24 Celsius. Overnight tonight, we're likely to see more patchy clouds and one or two heavier showers, perhaps a flash or two of lightning. They are isolated, though not everyone will get one. Minimum temperature, though, staying in double figures. They're quite mild at 11 Celsius. That's 52 degrees in Fahrenheit. For tomorrow, again, some sunny spells, but more in the way of showers. Some of those heavy, some thundery, but despite this, still going to feel warm between them when the sun comes out. We're looking at a maximum for Tuesday of 22 Celsius. And that's your forecast. Every weekday morning. My show's called The JVS Show. Nine o'clock in the morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon Smith. I deal with the consumer problems that affect people all over beds, hearts and bucks. And I said, well, I didn't come all this way to be looking at a broken down hotel. Those companies, those councils, those organisations that are letting people down. This guy turned around and said to me that they're not prepared to pay me and I said, so you're forcing me to take action. And he said, good luck and put the phone down on me. I get my teeth into them. Oh, Jonathan, I'll start crying soon. We don't know what to do. Deal with them and hopefully get results for you, the consumers. And it got so convoluted, I thought there's only one person who can sort this out. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Catherine Boyle's whispering in my ear and I've, I've managed, I've excellently, using a, an ancient ninja technique, I've, I've managed to filter out her voice. So all I hear is... <laughs> Oh. So, so, Catherine, uh, maybe you'd like to tell the listener what it was you I had an email through for someone looking for someone else, and I thought it'd be better if we got her on to tell you what was what. So, it's Julianne. She's there. Where? Fader 1. What? Hello. 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 Hello, Julianne. Good morning. What's, good morning. what's, what's, your, what's going on? Um, I am searching for an old friend of my mum's. Yeah. Um, my mum's my name is Carolyn Burroughs. Yeah. She's um, a Belfast lady, so I'm still saying present tense. Um, she's from Belfast, and she lived in Bedford for approximately the last 25 years. Um, her and Andrew um, went out for a long time, and sadly my mum passed away in April. Oh, I'm sorry um, to hear that, Julianne. Thank you. Um, her funeral is um, on Wednesday, the 28th, in Bedford, at Bedford Crematorium. And I'd really like to find Andrew and, right. and, and see if he can be there. Shall we find him? Uh, right, so his full name's Andrew Fisher. Andrew Fisher, I understand that he used to work for KLM. Okay. I, I think it may be in the engineering side of things. Any idea? How old is he going to be? My mum, um, my mum was sixty, and I think Andrew was a little bit older okay. than, than her. How long ago? Um, what was your What was your mum's name, Julianne? Carolyn Burroughs. Carolyn Burroughs. And how long ago were they courting? Oh, crikey! It must be um, about twenty years ago. Oh, I know they were made friends. Yeah. On you know, um, if if they bumped into each other, I think they both went their separate ways, but yeah. they still had a friendship there. Uh, and what else do we know about him? Um, he he lived in Malden in Flitwick or Flitwick Road near Malden. Okay, um, and that that kind of area. Um, and he had a much loved dog called Bill, 
who <laughs> was built like a barrel. And mm-hmm. um, I'm afraid I don't really know too much more um, than that. Why, but can I, just I thought maybe if any of your listeners, um, you we, know, it might ring a bell. We, with we, them. We, we, I, I, I'm, we're going to find him. I'm, I'm saying that we're going to find him. What, why can I ask? Why is it so important for you to track him down and for him to my be mom, at the funeral? Because my mum always spoke so fondly about him. Yeah. So um, you can you can just tell when whenever she spoke that I think he always had a place in her heart. So mm. um, it would be lovely if he would if he knew and, and, and you know the choice is his if he would like to go or not. Okay. Uh, well, that, listen. Our phone number is oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have you got a picture of him, Julianne? That, that you'd be willing for us to share on Facebook? Yes, I've got. It's an old picture. I'm right. sure he's aged a bit, but yes, I'd be happy to do that. Email us the picture. We'll put it up on Facebook, and that will. That's probably going to be the kind of way. But we'll we'll put it out there. Andrew Fisher. He's in his early sixties. He used to work for KLM. He had a dog called Bill, and he used to live in Flittick Road, Malden. Yes. Julianne, we will do our best. Thank you so much. We will let you know what we find. Send us that picture and we'll put it up on Facebook. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye, there we go. We can find him, can't we? We can find him, I think. We can do that. Andrew Fisher in his 60s, worked for KLM, had a dog called Bill, used to go out with Caroline Burrows, uh, and lived on Flittick Road, Malden. Now, 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 this is where you start to play detective. We'll put a picture up on Facebook as soon as we get it. This is where you start to play detective. Maybe you lived in Flittick Rose. Uh, maybe you knew an Andrew or a Mr Fisher who had a dog. 08459 455 555. Can we find this gentleman? Maybe it's you. And if you are this gentleman and you're not interested, hey, that's fine as well. Give us a call, though, so we can let Julianne know that you're not that bothered, actually, and you don't want to uh, get back in touch. Or maybe you do. Or maybe, you know, the, 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 let's be honest, maybe um, uh, Andrew Fisher's passed away as well. If you know him, uh, if you recognise the name or the description, 08459 455 555. You don't need to come on air if you don't want. Let's see if we can sort that out, and uh, I'll let you know as soon as the picture is up on Facebook. We're t- talking about your first job you had. Kate's in Stevenage. Morning, Kate. Good morning. Kate, did you start working at the age of 15? I, I was working at the age of 15, yes. What, what were you doing? I was a junior shorthand typist. Oh. Such a thing doesn't exist nowadays. Sure, now, now uh, shorthand typist, so you were, what, taking notes in shorthand and typing yes. them up? Yes, I was taking notes in shorthand and typing them back. And, and I worked in Eastcheap in London. People don't know what shorthand is. My mum used to do shorthand, and I remember her learning it, and it's this weird kind of... Well, it's it's weird kind of writing, isn't it, in code? <laughs> People think it's Chinese. Yeah, I know. I, it looks... I, I still write it even now. I write down notes quickly. I write them in shorthand. I'm not saying my shorthand's as perfect as it used to be, but I can still manage to read it back if I want to write something down quick. Now, nowadays, most people use their dictaphone uh, or computers. You know, well, so it's, it's a different world, isn't it? Y- yes, but... but um, um, uh, oh dear, I can't think what we used to call them, but something we used to be able to put on headphones and oh. listen to. That came in, uh, say, two or three years after, started to come in. But I always say that if you can write shorthand and everything breaks down, all you need is a notebook and a pencil. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. How long did it take you to learn? Oh, <laughs> my father sent me to the City of London College, and I was only 14, and um, I went in the September, and I had my first job in the June, in the following June. 
Fantastic. Uh, that, Kate, that was doing 110 words a minute. Really? Yes. I think my mum got up to about 90, 80 or 90 words a minute. Well, eventually I taught it. I taught wow. it for 16 years full time. Wowzers, you were good. Kate, thank you very much indeed. Working at the age of 15, David Beckham's son is doing it. It's a good idea, I think. I think it's a good idea that there are some... Maybe your parent who thinks, no, 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 no. My children aren't going to work at the age of 15. Let them enjoy their childhood. I think 15 is that kind of... what well, it was when I was growing up. Is that kind of interesting age where you're... you're it's almost the tipping point of, of, of entering adulthood, isn't it? And yeah, you should be having a, having a laugh and having fun. But you should probably be out doing, um, doing a little bit of work as well, shouldn't you? Uh, some texts. I've tweeted the uh, footage of the mermaid, the Ev, at Ian Lee, if you want to see that. Ian, stories of the dead. My mother-in-law was dying in hospital. I left my wife at the hospital to come home for a sleep in the early hours of the morning. I woke up to the sound of bagpipes ringing in my ears, and I looked at the time. Five minutes later, my wife phoned me to tell me her mother had died. She was Scottish. Explain that. Well, I'm guessing she was born in Scotland and had... Oh, you mean explain the bagpipe? I can't. John from Datchworth. Ian, my wife and I went out for the evening and left our youngest son of seven with my wife's parents. During that night, my son was sitting on the arm of the, the armchair watching TV with his granddad Ron when he shivered and said, my granddad Brian has just died. Obviously, he was told not to be silly. And granddad Brian is fine, but he was actually right. My dad had died that evening at the time my son had said. It's coincidence, isn't it? It's coincidence, isn't it? I don't want to demean uh, what is obviously a very important and powerful story to you, but it's uh, it's coincidence. You, you know. don't believe in special powers. No. If I keep if I sit here and keep saying Paul McCartney's dead, Paul McCartney's dead, Paul McCartney's dead, at some point I'll get it right. Don't wish him dead. He no. is there, isn't he? Didn't he die? He died in 1967 in a car crash and was replaced by a Scottish actor called James somebody. That's a true story. Yeah. That's a true... He's not very well at the moment, Paul McCartney. He's cancelled two Japanese gigs. Oh. Mm, yeah. Mm. I like a bit of Macca, so fingers crossed he gets well. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound, one lane still closed at the moment because of an accident between Junction 12 for Flitwick and Junction 11 at Dunstable Road. Seeing queues from Junction 13 Salford Road at the moment on the sensors. The A1M is looking very heavy heading southbound between Junction 8 for Stevenage and Junction 7. Having a look at the motorways, the M25 heading clockwise very heavy on the speed sensors at the moment between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield. Also looking very heavy heading anti-clockwise on the M25 between Junction 12. 22 for St Albans and also Junction 15, the M4. Very slow at the moment in Bricketwood on the North Orbital Road, just off the M at 25. And in Boreham Wood at the moment, it's queuing on the Barnet Bypass heading southbound between Barnet Lane and also Mill Hill Circus. Taking a look so far at the trains and disruption on First Capital Connect between London Bridge and East Croydon because of overrunning engineering works. Thank you very much. You don't need to cut yourself short. We've got plenty of time to talk if you want to carry on doing the, your, your travel. Don't just take that as a hint, not an order. Lots coming up. We'll find out what after the news with Simon Oxley. Local and vocal across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's eight o'clock. The headlines. Milton Keynes Council criticised over handling of elderly dementia sufferer. Remains found in Luton Mum's Himalaya search for missing son. And AstraZeneca turns down latest Pfizer takeover bid. BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes Council has apologised after moving an 81-year-old dementia sufferer into a care home without her son's knowledge. The council moved the pensioner whilst her son was out after noticing bruising on her face. The Court of Protection ruled that the way they dealt with the case was woefully inadequate and the elderly woman's human rights had been breached. The family's barrister, Cathy Gordon, says the son was falsely accused of harming his mother. He was considered not to be an appropriate or safe person amongst vulnerable people. I mean, that was that was said quite openly. And he's had to fight every single inch of the way. He's been demonised, he's been... The allegations made against him, as I said, ran to 39 pages. A woman from Luton whose son has been missing in the Himalayas for six months has confirmed items found near human remains belong to him. Margaret Allpress travelled to Nepal where the search for her son Matthew was taking place. The remains have been taken to a hospital for official identification and to discover the cause of death. The British drugs company AstraZeneca has rejected the latest bid from its American rival Pfizer. Pfizer's new increased bid, which it has described as a last offer, valued AstraZeneca at £69 billion. Police in South Buckinghamshire have confirmed that a vulnerable woman missing since last week is a serving police sergeant with the Thames Valley Force stationed at High Wycombe. 43-year-old Louise Gibson was last seen in her home village of Great Kingshill at 5.30pm on Thursday. A Buckinghamshire woman has criticised the compensation scheme for those affected by the planned HS2 rail line after discovering she's not eligible because she rents out her property. Marion Clayton from Wendover told Ian the house was bought as an investment for her old age. The whole purpose of this was that in my older age I would be independent of the state. Clearly, if things stay as they are at the moment, that is not going to happen. It's more than frustrating, it is infuriating. I find it absolutely disgraceful. The families of four British yachtsmen missing in the Atlantic have appealed to the US Coast Guard to resume the search for them. Contact was lost early on Friday. It's thought the crew could have moved to a life raft. Three wind turbines at a school in Milton Keynes, which have almost never been on, are going to be demolished. The turbines at Oak Grove School in Middleton were switched off when the product was recalled. More from Jessica Cooper. The 15-metre turbines were installed in 2009, but were off again months later following a national recall. They cost the council £170,000. Some of that money came from a grant. The council says the delay in moving forward has been down to legal issues and planning permission. The turbines are due to be removed in the summer and replaced by solar panels at no cost to the council or the school. In sport, the clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two with nine more players leaving the club, including leading scorer Francois Zoko. And Cambridge have joined Luton in being promoted back to the Football League after beating Gateshead 2-1 in yesterday's conference playoff final at Wembley. The weather, another dry and warm day, maximum temperature 23 degrees Celsius and you can get the latest news and sport on online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. It's cuteness and the walks. There's brilliant walks. If you're a dog lover, it's a great place to be. It's all about where you live. We're a big mixture. A lot of people moved in, but I know people who've always lived here. We're featuring Wendover. We've got the Wendover Woods. It's a nicer community. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm trying to find Andrew Fisher. 
just just give me another four minutes to go through this 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 list of uh, of different Andrew Fishes. No, 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 no. Oh, where is it? What are you doing? I'm I'm going through a list of uh, names. Just bear with me. We've got some photographs. Uh, okay, well, that you... That might be more helpful. No, well, I'm not going to recognise him, am I? I've just, I'm just going through some names. Just bear with me. Yeah, hang up this one. one here with him with his dog. <laughs> oh! I'm so close to uh, finding him. Hang on, I've nearly found him. I've nearly found him. <clears throat> well, it's, it's going to be as easy as you looking on the computer. Is that right? Oh, that's Tony Fisher. I asked, I asked for Andrew Fisher. Yeah, well, yeah, Google it. Google in it. I'm Googling it. As if she hasn't tried that. She might not have tried it. Well, she found us. She's obviously quite savvy. Yeah, but is she as savvy as me? Well, well, difficult to know, but... I'm like, I detected a tone there, which we'll discuss after the show. I am, in many ways, uh, like Columbo. Yeah, apart from the important way. (laughs) Oh, just... just, Imagine if I found him, then people would lift me up onto their shoulders and carry me around like the king I surely am. I think maybe a better way of finding him is for me to read out what we know. Yeah, go on, go on you do that. Okay, shall yeah. I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be okay? Yeah, 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 that's right fine. By you? Yeah, it's fine. Like, with you... your, your expectations. Peter, no, Peter, Peter, uh, I found Peter George Fisher. No. Are, are we spelling Fisher? The normal way. Well, there's, there are two normal ways. No, not with a C. Okay. Urgently searching for an old friend of my mum who passed away recently. His name is Andrew Fisher, approximately 60 plus, worked for KLM, had a dog called... KLM, uh-huh. Not the KLF. Oh. Last known address, Flitty Road, Malden. And her mother's name, this is uh, Julianne's, uh, mother's name is Carolyn Burrows. Does anyone know Andrew Fisher? Oh, hang on. You got your phone on during the show. Hang on, yeah. hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm nearly finished. Tony nearly... Fisher's got in touch. He says he's not Andrew Fisher. Okay, well that's great, Tony. Thanks very much for your help. Um, bear with me. Bear with me. Nearly there. It'll be here. Hang on. Last one. Uh, no, I give up. I really, I really thought I was onto something. Then we got pictures. Let's put the pictures on Facebook, and we'll tweet the pictures as well. We'll find this guy. We will find this guy. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. An incredible story of a mum with dementia, well, being moved away from her son without her son's knowledge, and he didn't know where she was for 19 days. We'll find out just what was going on in Milton Keynes when this happened. We're talking about wind turbines, and also we're looking for this fella, Andrew Fisher. He used to go out with Carolyn Burrows. And the last known address is Flittick Road, Malden. Come on, guys, we can find this. We'll put the pictures up on Facebook in the next few minutes. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, fans. Milton Keynes Council has been accused of breaching a pensioner's human rights by moving her into a care home without her son's knowledge. That was the finding of the Court of Protection, who ruled that the way they dealt with 81-year-old dementia patient was woefully inadequate. 
Well, in a moment, we'll hear from Paul Dunnery from the Beds and Hearts branch of Alzheimer's UK. But first of all, let's speak to Nigel Ashton from Woodfine Solicitors in Bedford, who help people with dementia and their carers. Uh, Nigel, the judge from the Court of Prote- uh, Protection sorry, is criticising the council. What, what exactly does it do? The Court of Protection is, well, it's one of the oldest courts in the land. And what it does is make declarations, decisions on behalf of those who can't make decisions for themselves. So that might be in relation to their financial matters or in relation to health and welfare matters such as this. What steps... Because I guess in some ways the council should be uh, uh, um, acknowledged for for recognising that perhaps there was a problem and and doing something, but they obviously went about it completely the wrong way. What should they have done? Well, I suppose it should have... I understand from... I haven't read the judgment, but I understand that their concerns stretched back several months. And I, I guess what they should have done is to have... Uh, set up a safeguarding uh, meeting to investigate the the allegations of abuse and then if eventually they felt that they had no alternative or they needed to act pretty quickly to to safeguard her uh, her interests then they would have made an application to the court's protection for authority to remove this lady from her home and into a place of safety but it would appear that their internal procedures were, were simply not rigorous mm. enough and that they made a decision almost on the hoof. It, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because we do hear so many stories of councils and social workers getting it wrong and ignoring clues or not seeing clues and then, yeah. you know, people, unfortunately, it tends to be children, yeah. unfortunately, uh, unfortunately no, dying. That's, right. that's uh, right. I mean, sorry, yes. No, go on, right. No, I mean, it is, it is sometimes akin sometimes to young children in, in that, you know, the council will be, will be criticised if it doesn't act, uh, and in this occasion uh, it's been criticised for acting. I think part of the problem was that they were, it, it would appear that the council was aware of these issues, but had, had really not followed the correct procedures over several months, and then all of a sudden decided to act um, and to re- and to remove this lady, so I think it was a case of not following their own mm. internal procedures adequately enough, uh, because there should be some there should be rigorous procedures and policies which they clearly didn't follow. Nigel, uh, thanks very much, Nigel Ashton from uh, Woodfine Solicitors in Bedford, joined now by Paul Donnery from the Beds and Hearts branch of Alzheimer's UK. Paul, what's your reaction to this case? I just think, um, speaking on behalf of the Alzheimer's Society, we always think it's, it's deeply concerning when we hear of cases like this. Um, and like has just been uh, spoken about, we, you know, for us it's really important to make sure that the person with dementia, in this case of the lady, was, um, you know, is put at the heart and is, is, at the, is at the very heart of everything that is going on. And her best interests are taken care of. And it's also very important that procedure um, and policy are followed we have those safeguarding policies in in place and we would encourage everybody to be using those um, appropriately to make sure that the uh, in this case that uh, the person with dementia was uh, cared for in an appropriate way but also communication took place as well with the family and the court of protection because it's often the thing the key to a lot of these things and, and the problems that we often find is that it's the communication is broken down 
And that seems to be the thing in this. Now, uh, the, the, the son uh, was the alleged abuser. All allegations against him uh, were later dropped, of course, and there is no evidence that, that, that there was any abuse. Uh, but even so, he, he didn't know where his mum was for 19 days. And, uh, you know, I, mean, I, I can imagine, only imagine how, much, how distressing that must have been as well. And I think it's really important, as I said, you know, we always believe communication is key to these things. It's keeping people informed um, while an investigation takes place, which is what is generally what happens in these cases. You know, there's an issue is raised about safeguarding, a concern is raised about somebody's care and their welfare, um, and an investigation takes place, um, which is absolutely right. I mean, we wouldn't expect that not to happen. But at the same time, you would always expect good communication to everybody, so all people are involved. And at the, and at the most important thing is that the person with dementia is kept um, informed as much as possible and is, you know, cared for in the most appropriate way as well and 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 giving them the mo- and giving them as much choice and as you know as respect as possible in all of this do you think that that, 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 that sometimes there is the attitude oh you know they've got the, they, they don't actually know what's going on so it's not that damaging to them and I still think it's uh, I still think our society is what doesn't view um, uh, issues of neglect or, or, or of, care, of not of care uh, for older people in the way that it does for children I think we we all would rightly condemn any uh, any neglect of children and I still think today our society doesn't really take that doesn't give it that priority that it should do um and it's you know that, i think that's we we would really as a, as, a, as a, the alzheimer's society would really be pushing that forward and, and there is and there is new hope on the horizon with the, uh, the the government's care the new care act um it does put safeguarding older people very much at the heart of that as well so it's it's important to recognize that changes may be taking place as well and, and improving safeguarding for older people Paul, I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, that's Paul Dunnery from the Beds and Hearts branch of uh, branch brunch. Mm, I'm hungry, that's why. Uh, of Alzheimer's UK. If you want to have your say on that, you're more than welcome to. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. We did try to speak to Milton Keynes Council about this case. We've been told they will not be commenting on individual cases, but accept the ruling of the judge. Um, have we put those are those pictures up? Uh, oh, sorry, hang on. They're going up as we speak. They're going up as we speak. This is Andrew Fisher that we're after. I thought I'd found him. I googled him, and a name popped up. But there are him. quite a few Andrew Fishers, I dare say. Well, I don't know. I mean, Andrew and Fisher—they're both not particularly common names. You put them together, that's like a Google whack. So it's um, you know, I wouldn't have thought a particularly common name. Where did he live? Carl Malden. Malden. Malden, not Carl Malden. That's, Where's Carl Malden? That's um, Brushstrokes, isn't it? Or is that um, Quincy? It's Carl Howman. Oh, Carl Malden is Quincy then. Oh, is it? Yeah. I think. Didn't live in Quincy, did he? No, I don't think so. Quincy was weird because he was a pathologist. He cut up dead bodies. He was quite an old man, yet he he often had young girlfriends. Hmm. Are you hot for... Not really. I think it would be a bit of a deal-breaker. OK. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound, queuing at the moment between Junction 12 at Flittick and Junction 11 at Dunstable Road. Now, there was an accident earlier closing off two lanes, but now have been reopened, so it seems to be easing off a little bit. The A1M heading southbound is looking slow between Junction 9 at Letchworth and Junction 7 for Stevenage. And the M25 heading clockwise, looking very heavy on the sensors at the moment between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield. Taking a look in Hemel Hempstead, it's queuing at the moment on the A41, London bound. 
around that. That's between Two Waters Road and Junction 20 of the M25. So far in Boreham Wood, it is queuing at the moment on the Barnet Bypass, heading southbound between Barnet Lane and Mill Hill Circus. And disruption on First Capital connects between London Bridge and East Croydon due to overrunning engineering works. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Nicola, thank you very much indeed. Right, it's 8.16, it's Monday the 19th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes Council has apologised after moving an 81-year-old dementia sufferer into a care home without her son's knowledge. The Court of Protection ruled that the way they dealt with the case was woefully inadequate. The British drugs company AstraZeneca has rejected the latest bid from its American rival Pfizer, which valued AstraZeneca at £69 billion. And in sport, the clear-out has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two with nine more players leaving the club. BBC Three Counties Radio. Imagine the colour of thousands of flowers. We've got buttercups in there which are very, very bright, but we've also got purples of the honesty and white of the cow parsley. Imagine the grandeur of hundreds of gardens. See them win a gold this morning, where it almost brought me to tears. Imagine all that in one place. It's incredible, every year it's, it's, it's fabulous. This afternoon I'm live at the Chelsea Flower Show, so you don't have to imagine it. But above all, I think we're just saying that a garden is good for you. I'll bring you all the sights and flavour from one of Britain's biggest flower shows. I think the traditions and the specialness of the whole thing is height of horticulture. The Chelsea Flower Show, today from midday, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, don't bring it in here. Yeah, sorry. Too much... uh char-grilled fatty meat this weekend yes to be honest with you and it's upset your tummy an upset tummy yes i've got i've got post weekend of barbecue stomach today okay that's a a very specific first world problem well you know what i mean i do know what you mean i wonder how many people this weekend they had to take a little bit of andrew's liver salts before bed yeah do you know what i mean when you think oh we didn't have a barbecue we had a little picnic in the garden picnic we bought a uh, paddling pool did you lasted an hour Oh, no, why? Well, it it, it was defective. Oh. And all the air slowly came out. Do you want me to deal with it for you? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. And I want you to give me the priority I deserve. Some of these other losers that caught up. Oh, I bought bought a bag of chips and they were cold. So, was it new, this paddling? Brand new. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. And did you put it on, uh, do you, you check the ground for stones or anything that might have pierced it? Sure, why not? Right. Yeah, why not? I mean, the pierce is so in the instructions, doesn't it? Check for stones. Well, who reads the instructions to a paddling pool, for goodness sakes? Get out, inflate, put water in, chuck the kids in and go. So where did you get your puncture? I think it was on uh, kind of the top rim. Oh. Now, were the children sitting on it and jumping on it? It's a paddling pool, mate. Yes. So I'm sensing, in effect, you bought a paddling pool. How yes. much was it? £30. Right, a cheap paddling pool. Whoa! A cheap paddling pool. 30 quid is well expensive. A budget paddling pool. What?! Your boisterous children jumped uh, on it, I, wh- burst it, inflated what? it. What? Uh, you've ruined it yourself. No, I it did not live for the... Ex- the, the uh, um, I'm trying to think of the words you use. Reasonable amount of time. Exactly. So it basically lasted for two hours. That's 15 quid an hour. But I can see what would have happened. If it burst at the top, the children were... Were they, were they running and jumping in? Of course they it? were. It's a right. paddling pool. It was a hot, sunny day. They're kids. Well, they ruined it. So if I were you... I'd take it out of their pocket money until they've paid it back. Take it... Why, come on, at least take it to, to your listeners. Really? At least take it to the listeners. You, you normally do that with some of the well, biggest chances you get calling you, in. You could do this now. 
You could do this now on your show if you want. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do I deserve? Is, is Jonathan being a little bit harsh? Do I deserve <laughs> a new paddling pool? And let's be honest, I know you don't do it. A little bit of compo. A little bit of compo. Compo. A little bit of compo. Don't you need compo for because my kids' dreams were ruined. <laughs> oh, oh eight please. four five nine four double five five double five. I'm right. Oh, I'm right, aren't I? What's on your show this? Oh, I know what's on your show this morning. Is this tied in with your? Do I? I don't know. Do, do I? You? I don't know. Do what, I? What are you thinking? Let me have a little look. Yeah. You do? It's oh. on Facebook. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Is, it, is this tied in with your barbecue? No, it's not, actually. Okay. Although it could be, <laughs> yes, couldn't it, really? There's a running theme there, yes. I am uh, living proof <laughs> that <laughs> actually, yes, but say you just put a picture of my stomach. Yes. Um, from nine this morning on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, is it time to put pictures of fat, ill people on packets of junk food? Do you like the question? I do like the question. Health campaigners say fatty foods pose a greater health risk than cigarettes... And it's time that we regulated the food industry in the same way that we regulate tobacco. So the idea is, Mm. in the same way on a packet of cigarettes, you get a a picture of cancerous lungs or, you know, arteries clogged with with something, some nastiness or not. Um, The idea is that we do the same thing on, on packets of unhealthy food. Beautiful. Yeah. So take a you know a fat encrusted liver. Take somebody whose heart is absolutely coated in fat. Yeah. Take somebody who's got type two diabetes because they've become so fat and their legs gone all black. Put a picture of that on cream cakes or donuts. Put a fat black leg on a cream cake box. Is that? the way to solve our obesity problem. From nine this morning, very much want your calls on this. Is it time to put pictures of fat, ill people on packets of junk food? 08459 455 555. We'll debate that from nine. Rotting teeth on fizzy pops. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, but seriously, would that put you off? No. No? No. Oh, it would put me off. Imagine that. You go into the supermarket. Yeah. They've got a special offer. Yeah. 15 donuts for 20p or something. Yeah. And on the face... Where's this? On the front... Morrison's. You is, go that, in, is that a real offer? No, I know. Oh, OK. It's oh, the kind of offer you'd get. I was getting excited. I was salivating. And uh, so, so you go up to the packet, and on the packet, there's a picture of some awful obesity-related diseased body. That would stop you, wouldn't it? How much are these donuts again? 20p. And how many are you getting? 15. Mm, I'm not convinced. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. That's like a good deal to me. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Disappointing, we have had nobody calling in suggesting the book that uh, I was going to lend to political reporter Paul Skye. So I guess he's not going to get the book. I can't think what it would have been. What book would it have been? I've got no idea whatsoever. Oh, well, never mind. These things happen. Things you can call in about this morning. Um, David Beckham's son, Brooklyn, has got a job at the age of 15. They're multi-millionaires. Is that a bit tight of David Beckham? Is it a little bit tight? Or is it good sense, good common sense to teach him how to respect money and what working is all about? What job did you have at the age of 15? Would you let your kids work at that age? 08459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number if uh, you want to give me a call on that. Other bits and pieces as well. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
turbines at a school in Milton Keynes are going to be demolished after only being on for a matter of months in the past five years. The 15-metre turbines at Oak Grove School in Middleton were switched off when the product was recalled. Milton Keynes Council says it won't cost them or the school to take them down and solar panels will go in their place. Robert Rabinovitz from Radlett is Chief Executive of Pure Leapfrog, a charity that funds communities to use renewable energy. Morning, Robert. How common is this becoming for schools to strive to, to, to produce their own energy? Uh, it's becoming increasingly common. Uh, we're supporting uh, lots of community-based projects to put solar panels on schools. Uh, we just funded a project in Staffordshire. I'd love to say we'd supported one in the Three Counties area, but we've just done one in Staffordshire. The communities raised money to put solar panels on 25 schools. This this school had three wind turbines. This sounds a little bit pointless. Don't you need loads of them to generate a decent amount of energy? Well, it all depends on the size of the school. Um, solar panels uh, will generate part of the energy needs of the school. Uh, wind turbines can generate a bit more. Um, obviously, it's not like having a big, massive wind farm at the end of the, the playing fields, but every little bit helps. You know, it, it all reduces the energy bill. Could, could a school power itself entirely by solar panels? I really doubt that. Uh. We're working with a school down in Devon, which has stripped out all of their old lights and put new energy-efficient LEDs in. they put solar panels on the roof. They've uh, put in a new biomass boiler for heating and solar thermal. And they have currently got an energy bill of zero pounds a year. Wowzers. Wowzers. The thing is, it's, it's a big investment, isn't it? Solar panels are expensive. Those LED lights, don't they cost like 60 or 70 quid a pop? Yeah, they are expensive, and in fact, we've just done a project with a small school uh, to put LED lights in. We're saving them around £3,000 a year on their lighting bill, but actually it is really expensive to put in, which is why our charity exists, to help schools and communities afford the cost. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, uh, Robert. Uh, Robert Rabinovitz uh, from Radlett, Chief Executive of Pure Leapfrog. A charity that funds communities to use renewable energy. These uh, wind turbines, I think, if I've got this correct, generated about £3.56 for the... Uh, it, it wasn't much at all. I'm a bit, we always get... Whenever we talk about wind turbines, we always get a load of uh, WTH, wind turbine haters, who come on and say, oh, disgusting. Get rid I do genuinely think they are the, one of the most majestic, beautiful things going... Yeah, but would you want one near your house? I wouldn't mind. I think it would be great. I think they look powerful. I think they look beautiful. You drive up the M1. You get past always about Junction 15, 16. There's loads of them. They look fantastic, don't they? What a great thing to have. I think they look wonderful. How could anybody argue? Uh, against that? They're better than pylons. Flipping pylons. Awful looking things. You get a wind turbine. I've noticed the wind turbines, I think the ones on the M1. Or is it the M6? I think the M1. They've got in the, the big one. Oh, they're big ones. And uh, you can just about see they've got little stairs leading up to a door on them. Can someone please tell me there are stairs going up inside the wind turbine? Is that could you get to the top of a wind turbine if you so wanted to by using the internal stairs? Is that what happens? Having said that out loud, I realise that's probably utterly ridiculous. But part of me, part of me uh, likes to think 
that that's the case. 08459 455 555. Also, is it a bit tight of David Beckham to get his kids to work at the age of 15? What jobs did you have at the age of 15? And uh, as the uh, the brownie celebrates 100 years, I'm kind of asking, what's the point of the brownies and the guides and the cubs? And the, they're, they're kind of... They're very old-fashioned concepts, aren't they? I used to really begrudge going to the the, the uh, Cubs. I enjoyed it for about 20 minutes. And then when I realised I was missing the five Doctors and missing the Spider-Man TV series, I kind of thought, ah, do you know what? I'd rather have my Friday evenings back and not wear this horrible, horrible green itchy jumper. jumper. I got in terrible trouble as well for um, losing another boy's cap. At some sporting event. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'm aware I'm rambling, so I'll shut up now and we'll get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound, still looking very slow at the moment between Junction 12 for Flitwick and 11 at Dunstable Road. We are seeing queues from Junction 13, Salford Road, and that was after an accident that happened a little earlier on this morning. The A1M heading southbound is looking heavy between Junction 9 at Letchworth and Junction 7 at Stevenage. And taking a look at the M25, heading clockwise very heavy on the sensors between 24 Potter's Bar and 25 at Enfield, also heading through the roadworks area. Anti-clockwise is queuing on the M25 between Junction 22, St Albans, and Junction 15, the M4. It's looking very slow on the A1, the Barnet Way. That's heading southbound between Barnet Lane and also Mill Hill Circus. And in Enfield, very slow moving on Great Cambridge Road, heading southbound between Ballsmore Lane and Southbury Road. So far on the trains, disruption on First Capital connects between London Bridge and East Croydon because of overrunning engineering works. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Nicola, thanks very much. Coming up, we'll remind you about uh, Julianne, who's looking for Andrew Fisher, go and have a look. There are pictures on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR if you can help do get in touch with us. It's coming up to 8.30. Let's get the latest news now with uh, Simon Oxley. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The headlines, Milton Keynes Council has apologised after moving an 81-year-old dementia sufferer into a care home without her son's knowledge. The Court of Protection ruled that the way they dealt with the case was woefully inadequate. The British drugs company AstraZeneca has rejected the latest bid from its American rival Pfizer. Pfizer's new increased bid, which it has described as a last offer, valued AstraZeneca at £69 billion. And police in Luton say they're becoming increasingly concerned for a missing 62-year-old woman with dementia. Bernadette George was last seen by her family at two o'clock yesterday afternoon at her home in Lullaford Road. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Clearout has continued at Stevenage following their relegation to League Two with nine more players leaving the club, including leading scorer Francois Zoko. But club captain John Ashton and stalwart goalkeeper Chris Day have signed new contracts. Cambridge have joined Luton in being promoted back to the Football League. Cambridge beat Gateshead 2-1 in yesterday's conference playoff final at Wembley to end a nine-year stay in non-league. The three-time Formula One world champion Sir Jack Brabham has died at the age of 88 at his home in Australia. He found Brabham Racing and is still the only man to win the championship driving a car which he had designed and built.
Qualifying for the US Women's Open Championship takes place at the Buckinghamshire Golf Club in Denham today. Just eight spots are up for grabs from a field of 74. Hoping to book her place is Welling Garden City's Hannah Burke. It's coming together, yeah. I've had a couple of good good results. Made a couple of changes in the big break, so just hoping for those to tie together and see how they hold up for the rest of the season. Hopefully just uh, we can carry... We both played pretty solid today, so hopefully that carries on for Monday, the qualifier, and then on to the... Masters as well, yeah, yeah. definitely. So Bradley Wiggins has revealed he's eager to help his Sky teammate Chris Froome to retain his Tour de France cycling title. After becoming the first Briton to win the Tour of California, Wiggins revealed he's happy to play a backup role if selected. And Wasps beat Stade Francais 30-29 at Wickham yesterday in the first leg of Rugby's European Champions Cup playoff tie. The teams play the second leg in France next week in a bid to qualify for next season's replacement for the Heineken Cup. BBC Three Counties News and Sports, the next Full bulletin is at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I've really let myself down this morning, Catherine. Oh, your glasses came down your nose then. I'm having a right time. (laughs) You look look like Velma. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, The brains of the outfit. No, I always thought Velma, I always thought there's something a little bit... The other one, Daphne, was too obvious. She was too obvious. Fred Fred. Fred was obviously gay. You reckon? Oh, totally. He was just hanging out with those guys because Shaggy had all the dope. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think was in those... We were watching a different cartoon. (laughs) What what do you think was in those Scooby Snacks? (laughs) Why did they all think the dog could talk? Uh, But Velma... uh, Sorry, Catherine. I've let myself down today. Right. How today? I've really, really, really need a wee. Oh. I've totally mistimed the whole kit and caboodle today. I'm in in, uh, a little bit of discomfort. Okay, oversharing. One, two, talk to Ken. He'll give you a poem and he might give you time. Ken? Hello, Ian. What did you call me? I nearly called you Colin. Who's Colin? Hi, mate. Are you calling us from Mars again? Yes. Turn your radio off. It's off. Look, turn your, put it on, take it off speakerphone. I have now. Ah, thank you very much indeed. Why did you, who's Colin? He's a friend of mine who's just, they come around for the weekend and now they've just gone back. Okay, but why did you call me Colin? Because your name's Ian. Fair point. What you got for us? The other day when you were discussing lollipop ladies. Yes. Right. So I wrote a little poem. For oh, blimey. I hate po- all, all these little poems for the lollipop ladies in Luton. I, ha- I hate poems on the radio. Oh, well, right then. Well, I'll tell you. Is it is it going to be a Weasworth? No. Oh. Uh, well, you can go for a wee. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick around. Oh, all right. Here we go. Yes, sir. In the road, they boldly stand. Can I just say, I don't want anybody else phoning in with poems. We're only doing this because we ain't got much else. All right. You finished? Yeah. All right. In the road... Do you know an Andrew Fisher? Andrew Fisher? Yeah. Who worked at LMC? Is it LMC? KLM. KLM, yeah, that's the fella. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know him? No. Okay, because we're looking for him. Oh, well, that's all right. Okay. You found him yet? Not yet, No. Oh, well, let me get this poem out here. OK. We'll get that out of the way. Yeah. Right. In the road, they boldly... He's in his 60s. Is he? He used to work for... That's the K- as me, then. Yeah, well, that's why you might know him. He used to work for the KLM. He went out with Carolyn Burroughs. He had a dog called Bill. 
and uh, he used to live on Flittick Road in Malden. Uh. Now, I know the number of the house in Flittick Road in Malden he used to live in. But you're not telling him. I'm not going to tell. There are pictures up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. And if people want to go and have a look, if they know, you can either post on there or they can give us a call or they can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Even if Andrew's like, actually, I don't want to get involved. It's no use giving them a call, is it? Sorry? It's no use them giving you a call. Why? Well, because you'll be in the loo. Well, uh, this, this is the ambition. This is what I'm working towards at some point going for a wee. Oh. Okay. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Ken, is that it? No. Thanks very much for your call. Let's go to um, Barnow Sharon. Hi, it's actually Brownow. Oh, who's type Barnow? <laughs> Kelly Betts. Oh, Ken wanted to do his poem. Oh, well, never mind. It probably was rubbish anyway. Brownow Sharon in Welland Garden City. Morning, Brownow. Good morning. Well, you, I suppose you want to find out and have a go, do you? Well, not particularly. I just wanted to say that. Girl guiding isn't dated and full of modern and new ideas. Uh, we just literally yesterday took over St Albans Abbey for a massive celebration, celebrating a hundred years of girl guiding in Hertfordshire. Yeah. There was little rainbows from five years old through to Treffle Guild, some of them probably well into their 90s. Oh. Everybody celebrating together. But what's the point of the brownies? It's just a great space for the girls to have fun together, learn and develop. They do exciting activities from, I mean, knitting and knots are a thing of the past. Oh. It's climbing walls, oh. grass slopes, skiing and fun rings and things. Oh, OK. Uh, and have you, uh, did I read rightly the other day, you've got rid of the God thing? Because there, there was a, you have to swear your allegiance to God, or did, and there were, some people were upset by that for some reason. Yeah, there has been a lot of talk about the promise. Um, we now um, promise to be true to ourselves and develop our beliefs. Oh, okay. So those beliefs can okay. be whatever you make of it. All right, Brownell Sharon, thank you very much. You've, you've put up a good defence for uh, Ken. Are you still there? Yeah, because I'm here. Oh, I do. I, I, I'm so sorry. Oh, you should be. No, that was that was out of order, man. I do apologise. So you should. Okay. So what did you want? This poem. Okay. Where you go? In the road. Let's go to Peter. Peter, what have you got for us? Good morning. I, I, hate, I hate poems on the radio, Peter. Peace be with you, brother. No. Yes, they, they, they don't do a lot, do they? No, they don't. They don't. They don't. Uh, Go on, keep, what them you... in the, keep them in the head and keep them to yourself. That's the do idea. Do you know Andrew Fisher? Never heard of oh, Andrew Fisher, unfortunately, we... but I'm sure he's out there somewhere. We're going to find him. He's probably listening to Heart. Let's hope. Oh, no. No, no, let's, let's hope not. not. No, 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 no. Now, the book uh, that uh, um, you mislaid is uh, How to Improve Your Memory. Aye. Did you? By, by who? <laughs> I'm not sure who by, but... Uh, by Willie Burns. No, <laughs> hang on, that's the wrong book. How do now, they, were, they were big, those jokes, weren't they? Books about something written by people with funny names. Disaster on the Cliff by um, Eileen Dover. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Like that, there yeah. we go. That was what was taken for entertainment in the 70s. Yes, it was indeed. Um, the work ethic. Yes. Uh, I, I started helping my father on a farm he worked uh, on yeah. uh, at the age of eight. I fed sheep, cleaned out cows, helped in the milking parlour, etc., etc. Didn't get a wage. But my first wage came with uh, a job that I got when I was 12, which was grubbing out an orchard 
because I was a big old boy, what? and I got half a crown a day, two and sixpence a day, which is about 12 pence new money. Wow. I was rich. Mega rich. What were you doing to an orchard? Uh, grabbing it out. That's digging around the roots, exposing the roots, cutting through the roots, and the uh, the landowner came along with his Land Rover and a bit of rope and pulled the tree over and we sawed it all up. Oh, blimey. Well, Peter, thank you very much. Ken, you still there? Yes. Go on. Well, you, you called in about Andrew Fisher. No. What? Hey. What? How can he tell you about a book about your memory when he can't even remember what it was? It was a joke. I know it was. Was that a joke? No. Apologies. Right. Do, do you know Andrew Fisher from the KLM? No. Okay. What have you called in about? I forget now. Lollipop ladies. Oh, yeah, go on, we got? In the road, they boldly stand. Let's go to Dave in Sundon Park. Morning, Dave. Morning. Dave, what have you got for us? Well, you asked about uh, the wind turbine towers. Oh, yeah, beautiful, mag- majestic, wonderful inventions. Very much so. Um, you asked about the, uh, how to get up to the top. Oh, yeah, is there Because I drove past these massive ones on the M1, and they've got little stairs that go up to a door, and I wondered if, if there was, like, a, a spiral staircase inside. No, nothing as uh, dramatic or uh, romantic as that. It's just a ladder. Oh. A, a long ladder. Oh, but, it's sti- it's, but it still goes up to the top, does it? Yes. Is there a little door at the top or, like, a, a, a little hatch? Um, on some of them there oh, are. baby, baby, baby. How, Dave, how do you know this? Um, my very first job, I worked um, for a company that made the towers. Yeah. Oh, man. And do you get... Because I genuinely... This isn't me being obtuse or argumentative or controversial. I genuinely think they are majestic, wonderful things. And they look beautiful as I drive up the motorway. I agree. Um, They are beautiful. Um, They look modern. They do. It's a striking image. They look modern, but they're also... They look old in as much as we've had windmills in this this country for hundreds of years. And it's just a, a kind of updated version of those, isn't it? It is, it is. It's fantastic. Dave, listen, uh, thank you very much. I want to climb up that ladder. Who wants to come up the ladder inside a wind turbine with me? No, thanks. You, you want to do it, Kels? Yeah, I'll do it. We can do it the same weekend we go potholing. I was going to say that, yeah. Scoins hasn't sorted that out yet, which makes me think he's a bottler. Mm. Yeah? Uh, uh, it's the sound of him Possibly. being scared. Oh. Uh, Ken's on the line. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Ken, what you got for us? Poem. I don't normally do poems on the radio. I think it sounds a bit rubbish. Why? Well, it's just a bit rubbish. This is dedicated to the men and women who see our children safely to school. In that case, sir, I cannot deny it. Let's have it. In the road, David Beckham's uh, son, Brooklyn, has started working at the age of 15. He's He's a barrister. No, he's a barista. What? I think qualifications are slightly different. Is that to take out? I'll have it in, but in a takeout cup. Mm-hmm. I write my name on it. You'd have to spell it right. No. Um, so we've been asking: uh, Should you start working at fifteen? Dealey's been out speaking to people. Dealey's not here, and I'm not allowed to say why he's not here. Shh. <laughs> if what Dealey's doing now pays off, ladies and gentlemen, it'll be another Sony for the team. Maybe be a Sony for for Justin Dealey. A what? A Radio Academy Award. He's on a top secret mission. He's like that film with Emilio Estevez. Which one? A um, good one. Stakeout. Is there one called Stakeout? Oh, yeah, with Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. It's like Stakeout. And he's like another Stakeout. Stakeout 2. 
Don't say any more now. Don't say any more. But let's just say what he's up to is very... on that imaginary cafe creme and showing off. <laughs> very, very excited. Anyway, be with you in a second, Ken. All right, Ian. Thank you very much indeed. We've uh, sent Justin Dealey out to ask about working at 15. Oh, here was Martin. Martin, what were you doing at 15 years old? Can you remember? Yes, I've done paper rounds and also work on the farm. So, pretty full on then. Two jobs at 15. Yes. Wow. Um, do you think it's a bit harsh to make 15-year-old kids work these days? No, not really. They've got a responsibility of doing a job. So what you were doing at 15 years old certainly um, helped you when you went into to full-time work when you left school? Yes. Because I, I had a job on the farm when I left school. So these parents that might say, oh, you know, my 15-year-old child, they've got so much stress, they've got so much on their plate, they need to get real, do they? Yes. Kevin, you're 15 years old. You're still at school. What jobs were you doing, though? Uh, I was helping in a warehouse, sweeping floors and that sort of thing. Yeah? And what about the benefits of doing that at 15 years old? When it came to full-time employment, did that experience really help you? Oh, I think it does, because you just get into a, a... Even on a small scale, you get into a work ethic. It's something you do. You work. Bob, at 15 years old, you're at school. Did you have a part-time job? Yes. And what were you doing? Paper round. A paper round? Yes. Was that seven days a week, money shop? Seven days a week. Oh, wow. So, by having that experience, um, it must have been beneficial to you moving forward when you finally got full-time employment. Yes, because you get up in the morning and you, you learn to get up in the morning, get out and earn some money. I'm going to put this question straight to you. As somebody who had a job before you left school, do you think kids these days are too lazy? Some are, some's not. I find the boys are more lazy than girls. <laughs> what on earth is he banging on about? I work harder than you two put together. Yes. Um, I don't hear you speaking in an overly excited voice. This takes a lot of effort. Well, I'm really glad you're doing it for us. Thanks a bunch. Thanks, Ian. One of you sounded sarcastic, but I don't know what... I, I wasn't really paying... It definitely wasn't me. Or me. It was that one. No. That, who, who did the second one there? Who knows? Wasn't that one. Can't have been me. That one! That was you, Catherine! Oh, Catherine! Is it Catherine? Ken's in Luton. Morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. Ken, what you got for me, boss? I forgot. Oh. See, you're getting me back for the other day, ain't you? Not getting you back for anything. Oh. You, got, you got a poem about traffic, lady. Uh, uh, lollipop men. Yeah, because... No, ladies. Well, go on. Oh, men do it as well. Oh? Yeah. Do you want to, what, are you going to do the poem or what? If you shut up, I will, yeah. Right. In the road, they boldly... Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 heading southbound looking very heavy at the moment on the speed sensors between Junction 12 at Flittick and Junction 11 Dunstable Road. We are seeing a congestion back from Junction 13 at Salford Road because of an accident earlier on. The A1M heading southbound is looking at slow moving between Junction 9 at Letchworth and Junction 7 at Stevenage. And taking a look at the M25 clockwise, very heavy at the moment between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and Junction 25 for Enfield. That's heading through the roadworks. Heading anti-clockwise, queuing between 22 St Albans and also Junction 15, the M4. In Borehamwood, it's queuing at the moment on the Barnet Bypass heading southbound between Barnet Lane and Mill Hill Circus. And so far, taking a look in Chesson, queuing on the A10 heading southbound, and that's between Great Cambridge Road and also Enfield. And on the trains, disruption to First Capital connects between London Bridge and East Croydon. Nicola Richards, BBC Three, Counties Radio. Nicola, thank you very much indeed. It's 8.47, it's Monday the 19th of May. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Milton Keynes Council has apologised after moving an 81-year-old dementia sufferer into a care home without her son's knowledge. The Court of Protection ruled that the way they dealt with the case was woefully inadequate. The British drugs company AstraZeneca has rejected the latest bid from its American rival, Pfizer, which valued AstraZeneca at £69 billion. And police in Luton say they are becoming increasingly concerned for a missing 62-year-old woman with dementia. Bernadette George was last seen by her family at two o'clock yesterday afternoon at her home in Lalliford Road. 08459 555555. Before the end of the show, we will get Ken in Luton's poem, but before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Another beautiful day across all three counties. Blue sky and sunshine. It seems those showers I was talking about an hour ago have drifted or disintegrated into nothing because now we have blue sky across Milton Keynes and not a lot else. Uh, The temperature's steadily climbing as well. We've got uh, them ranging between 14 and 17 Celsius already. Bear in mind it's not even 9 o'clock in the morning. We're looking at getting up to around 24, maybe 25 Celsius later. So sunscreen and sun hats at the ready. Pleasant end to the Today, some evening sunshine then overnight we'll start to see a little bit of patchy cloud it's on that patchy cloud we could get one or two potentially very heavy showers we may see a flash or two of lightning maybe a rumble or two of thunder as we head through the night but other places completely dry uh, so not all of us seeing those showers the minimum temperature down to 11 celsius so all of us in double figures a bit of a different day tomorrow more showers we will get some sunny intervals between them and that's when the temperature is still respectable 22 celsius but those showers could actually be quite heavy and thundery and that's your forecast if you've missed any of the programs from the last week you've missed things like this i don't want to say cured me but Mm. it didn't quite bring down the level of sort of background anxiety that you get with generalized anxiety disorder but there is a way you can hear it all again do you feel like a different person Completely. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. Throughout this whole interview, you've been very calm and quite chirpy, it's, not yeah. anxious at all. bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Oh, you got a snotty nose. I've got well, I've got like a tickly one. Well, I tell you what, instead of wiping it on your hand like a disgust... Oh, stop doing that! Well, I'm not, I'm just... It's, You're it's a mother! It's, oh, well... Yeah. So you know what these hands have seen. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, I know what they've seen this weekend. You, you gave me a graphic <laughs> description. She tried to help herself. My youngest son is two. And uh, we're not really doing potty training. We just we, He just goes for a lot of the day without a nappy. And he's, he's, he's really good. Uh, Dad, I need a wee-wee. He wants to do it in the garden. So there's a lot of him standing there just weeing in the garden. And Keeps he doesn't... foxes out. It does. He doesn't hold his uh, willy. So it goes everywhere. Oh, right. I've got really got to teach the boys. You've got to hold it. Otherwise it goes everywhere. He was, wasn't wearing a nappy. Uh, yesterday and he was we got a little, tiny little kind of rocking horse like a chair one and he was hiding behind it in the I, garden this was outside mm-hmm. uh, inside sorry and I said uh, son are you doing a poo poo no dada he was yeah he was, was they have fa- their favourite places don't they he does and then afterwards he's going ha ha I was hiding while doing poo poo I said well yeah, that's really that's really not helpful always the same spot to the situation 08459 455 555 Ken what you've called in with a poem about um, lollipop ladies is that right yes okay we'll, we'll do it in a minute if that's okay because I, I, there's a, we had a really interesting call from Julianne earlier on oh alright then yeah I, I, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd play that 
Yeah, go on, eh? OK, because it's quite, she's looking for someone. It's quite important. So, uh, Julianne called in earlier. I am searching for an old friend of my mum's. Yeah. Um, my mum's my name is Carolyn Burroughs. Yeah. She's um, a Belfast lady. So I'm still saying present tense. Um, she's from Belfast, and she lived in Bedford for approximately the last 25 years. Um, her and Andrew um, went out for a long time, and sadly my mum passed away in April. Oh, I'm sorry um, to hear that, Julianne. Thank you. Um, her funeral is um, on Wednesday, the 28th, in Bedford, at Bedford Crematorium, and I'd really like to find Andrew and, right. and, and, and yes. see if he can be there. So we have some details, don't we, we Catherine, do. about this uh, this gentleman? His name is Andrew Fisher, and we know that um, he was with uh, Julianne's mother, Caroline, about 20 years ago. Um, and there's nothing to it apart from she wants to give him the opportunity of being there because they meant a yeah. lot to each other he, at that she, time. She, She's not going to say, by the way... Nice to meet your dad. No. That's not the no, plan. No, that's not it. She just says that... She told us that whenever her mum spoke about him, her eyes lit up, so she would, would like to give him the opportunity to be there. And if he doesn't want to go, that's fine. Um, this is what she told us about Andrew, that um, he's about 60. He works for KLM, had a, uh-huh. do- had a dog called Bill, and the last address she has in her mum's address book for him is in Flittick Road, Malden. Now, just to reiterate... Julianne's mother's name was Carolyn Burroughs and she was originally from Belfast but lived in Bedford. Here's a thing. Imagine you're at home with your fella, right? Listen to the rate, listen to this. Because you, 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 you've done a sick note. Someone comes on and says, my dad used to go out with Catherine Boyle 20 years ago. Always had a very special place in his heart for Naturally. Despite everything. (laughs) Um, And he's dead. And we'd really like Catherine to come to the funeral. That would be weird. No, it wouldn't. It'd be weird for your fella. No, it wouldn't. He's very secure. Well, I mean... No, it's fine. And and I actually would feel feel (laughs) the same way. Look, Pete... It's very rare these days that you're each other's first loves or first relationships. Yeah. And sometimes it's just nice to, you know, say goodbye to that memory and that's fine and I'd go with him and vice versa. Do those, does that nose come with those glasses? Is it like one of those... Because <laughs> it's gone bright red and massive. No, it's not. I've got a cold. Well, see, don't rub it like that. Don't wipe it into your hands. Yeah, oh. Oh, wait, four, five, nine. Oh, I did... I, well, no, I won't tell that story. Kelly. Can we not hear Ken's poem now? Oh, I'd really oh like to hear flip that. it, Eck! I totally. Who was that calling in? Harriet, to say that you've made her laugh a lot this morning. Well, that, well, that, I apologise, Harriet. Well, you've been very sincere this morning. I've been, I, I've been, I've an absolute gentleman this morning. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you know Andrew Fisher, the picture is up on Facebook. Um, and man, we're going to find this guy. If you are Andrew Fisher and you don't want, to, we're not going to put you on air. It's just that we put you in contact and yep. you can sort yourselves out. Decide what you want or, to do. Or if you don't want to um, get in contact, get in contact with us so we can tell her you don't want yeah. to get in contact. OK, just so she can stop looking for you. Ken, what are you doing? Are you going through a drawer or something? No. He's looking for Andrew. He won't be, he won't be in a drawer. Well, you never know. Yeah, no. We don't know. No, stop. Ken? He's most probably slung his hook. Well, we, he, maybe he has. We don't know. He used to live in Flittick Road. Malden. Yeah. Uh, was it Carl Malden who played Quincy? Oh, no. Shirley rang about that. Oh, yeah. She said Carl Malden, with a K, Carl Malden, yeah. was in the streets of Philadelphia. No, San Francisco. Who was Quincy then? 
My friend wrote the, wrote lyrics to Quincy. They're very funny. Maybe I'll sing them to you one day. Something to look forward to. It is funny. It is very funny. Hi, my name is Quincy. Ken. I'm a little oh, frisky. Now, hang on a second. Before we do that, Ken, we need to, and we will get to the poem. Don't worry, we've got a few minutes left before JBS. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Huh? I'm trying to. Did I'm trying to look for JBS Google. No, I'm not. I think she did. She I'm did. trying to do Google. Why did but you it's call me Bing? Why did That's you call the JVS show, show yeah. rubbish? I love the JVS show. You're, you're, you just we, said you, it was rubbish. We no, both I'm saying that this search engine's rubbish. No, you weren't. Yeah. You weren't. You said you know the JVS show is rubbish. He's in there. Look, he's in there. And I just saw him wipe a tear from his eye. Unbelievable. I don't know what he's doing with that finger. <laughs> hey! So, who played Quincy? Ken. Ken. It wasn't you, was it? No. It wasn't Carl Malden. It was... Oh. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Who played Quincy? Quick. Played. So do my nutting. Bye. John Vernon. What? No. He didn't play... No, he didn't. Oh, hang on. Is he... Oh, I... Oh. Phone, phone's ringing, phone's ringing. We've got the answer. Quincy, Quincy, Quincy. You're thinking of Quincy Jones. Jack Klugman. Is that him? Yeah. Hang on a second, we've got a phone call. Put them straight through, cows. Don't worry, Ken, I've got my eye on the time. I've got a poem about traffic, um, lollipop men. Women, ladies. Lovely, thank you. Not the men, he's not Anne including them. Anne is on fade off Hello? Hello, Anne, what have you got for us? Jack Kluger, is it on Kluger? Jack Kluger? <laughs> Yes, played Quincy Klugler or something like that. Klugler? Something it, like that. It was, I think it was Catherine, you, you found it. Paul says, Paul in Elstree says Jack Klugman, and he should know. He's the one that worked with David, David Niven. Klugman, Klugman, that sounds about right, doesn't yeah. it, Anne? Yeah, okay. Thank you, Anne. What I don't get. He's a handsome man, wasn't he? No. Tall, handsome man. He was short and stubby. What I don't get is um, if he was just a pathologist, right? So he, he cuts up dead bodies, right? Why is he then going out and solving murders? Why is he not giving the evidence to the police? Why is he always dining in a crab bar? Ask that question of Sire. The witness minds the crab bar. Ken, why was he always trying to solve crimes when he was, um... He was just a, patho- just a pathologist, a job I couldn't do, and that Chinese fella couldn't do it, could he? He fainted at the start. But why was he solving crimes, Ken? Couldn't tell you yet. OK, Ken, I, I, I'm, detecting, I'm detecting a tone. Uh, I think it's time for you to give us your poem, Ken. And uh, this is because we were talking about lollipop men last week. Yes. And so you have very kindly written a poem for us. Yes. Uh, and so you, you, you'd like to deliver it. I've been teasing you all morning. Oh, you have. I've been teasing you all morning. The teasing will continue no more. Right. Ken? Here we go. Here we go. This is... What's your poem called? 25th and last time... It's Lollipop Ladies. It's called Lollipop Ladies. It's about lollipop men. You were inspired to write this because of a show... Oh, it was abuse, wasn't it? Abuse that lollipop men and women were getting. Yeah. And uh, so you've written this, and we know you're a little bit of a poet. So, Ken. Right. It's with great pleasure. I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to hand over the airwaves to you. Ladies and gentlemen, Ken in Luton with his fantastic poem about lollipop ladies. Ken, it's over to you. In the road they boldly stand with their lollipop. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties We'll we'll do it before the end. Let's get the travel first. 
Taking a look at the A1M heading southbound, very slow moving at the moment between Junction 9, Letchworth and Junction 7 for Stevenage. The M25 heading anti-clockwise, queuing at the moment on the speed sensors between Junction 21, the M1, and Junction 16, the M40. In Hemel-Hempstead, the A41 London bound, now that's looking heavy, between the Hemel-Hempstead turn-off and Junction 20 of the M25. Also at the moment, it's queuing on the A40 Western Avenue heading eastbound between Oxford Road and also Gypsy Corner. And so far, taking a look in Boreham Wood very slow on the Bionet Bypass heading southbound between Barnet Lane and Mill Hill Circus. Taking a look at the trains and we are still seeing disruption on First Capital Connect between London Bridge and East Croydon and that's due to those overrunning engineering works. Nicola Richards, BBC Three Counties Radio. Nicola, thank you very much indeed. Ken! 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 Oh, he's gone. Well, how rude is that? I was going to let him do his poem. Ken, give us a call first thing tomorrow. We'll, we will definitely get it in. I just... Oh, JBS is up next, and I know he... You speak to us tomorrow. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, God. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Monday. It's nine o'clock. I'm on today's big phone-in. Is it time to put pictures of fat, ill people?